Hello and welcome to the Tenpence Arcade Podcast. My name's Victor Marland, aka Vertvic. I'm Sean Holly, aka In Your Face. Sean Holly, right? And we are living in 2020. We are. And do you know what's different from last year? A number. Absolutely nothing. It's exactly the same. So people who say Merry New Year and all that lot, do one. I hate you. Don't even speak to me. Yeah. Is that a good message for the the way we want to kick off this year, Sean? Uh, Probably. (laughs) Oh, I'm a miserable get. (laughs) How have you been over the Christmas period, old son? Uh, very good, thanks. I've been been doing lots of visiting to the families. All the, Why all the would f- you do that? Oh, we have to. We have to in- keep them all sweet. Oh, oh no. Why? Have they got lots of money? They're going to leave you in their wills and stuff. I'm hoping so, but I, I don't think any of them like me. So I'm yeah. on Jan's side. So there's no oh, I see. Them, yeah, so. you're the black sheep. Yeah. Oh no, no. I really, really enjoyed it. I had a couple of days off. Had uh, yeah, nice time. Guess what I've been doing, Vic? Guess, guess, guess. Guess, I've guess. got it in front of me, but shall I just uh, pretend for the listeners? I don't know, Sean. What have you been doing? I'm turning up my new mic. That's what I'm doing. Hang on. Hang on. Can you hear that? Bit, bit, bit. Yeah, I don't want to hear that bit, bit, bit. Sorry, sorry, kids. Right, yeah. I've been doing a lot of family research. Oh, why? I don't know. I just fancied doing it. Hang on, turn so, it down. Do you come from um, a family of idiots? No. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Actually, your brother's quite nice. No, yeah, it's just you. Yeah, it's just me and a few few cousins and that. On I've been, I've gone onto that ancestry dot com and I thought I'm oh, just just curious. I don't know why this year, <laughs> last year, sorry. So I've gone back on my mum's side to about. See, I'm pointing. I've gone back on my mum's side to about seventeen hundred. Oh wow! Uh, really? no, no, sorry, sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. And summer, I think if you go what, late twenty past back, four. Yeah, if you go later back than that, it's like. You're looking at parish records and stuff. There's nothing really official past the 1500s, but I'm getting there. It's still a long and time, a, isn't it? On my dad's side, I've gone back to 1780s or something. I'm, I'm still sort of weaving my way back. But it's very interesting. Is there any uh, interesting points of people of point that you might be related to? Yeah, Jane Austen. Really? Yeah, Jane Austen on, on my dad's side. Oh, it's because of the, the Yorkshire bit, is it? I don't know. But... but but she, hang on, I don't think so. But she, she's married to one of the Hollies, and she was called Jane Austen. Oh, wow. Jane, Jane Austen was a book, though, weren't it? Wasn't an author? Was it an author? <sighs> yes, she was an author, Sean. Was she? Very, oh, very, very famous. You did well. You are talking to a man who knows nothing about books, but is married to a woman who's doing a literary PhD. So yes, I, I, I have heard of some books by this lady. You're thinking of Jane Eyre, which is the book. So Jane Austen did Jane Eyre? No. Jane Austen wrote six famous books, with the two most famous being Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice. Did she ever ride in 1800s period costume on a horseback on BBC TV at nine o'clock at night? More than likely. Or some of her characters did, I would have thought. Ah, Definitely, yes. Well, that's good then. I don't know who I'm related to. A load of serfs, probably. Do you know what? As it as it goes farther and farther back, you know, each like obviously each mum and dad splits into another two mum and dads, and yeah. it goes right back. I've realised that I'm related to everyone in the universe. Basically, if you, yeah. If you go back that far, yes, we all are. So we so should we all, all just get on a bit better, really, shouldn't we? And give each other cuddles in the street. I tried it. Absolutely. Remember cuddles in the kitchen, yeah. 
Any road up over the Christmas period, I have had a bit of a ball because I was off work. I was off work for ooh, was it 11, 12, 10, 12 days, something like that. Because unlike you, I don't work with the public, so I didn't have to go in on odd days. We had sort of quite a period off. I know a lot of people who work in retail and you know in the public sector and all this stuff, and they had to go in certain days when I didn't. So it's quite nice that I was off, and I. First thing I did, was I paid a little visit to Alex, our Alex. He lives now lives fifty miles away from me. That's how far he is away now. Inconsiderate. He used to live like two miles away. Now he's fifty miles away. But I travelled up to see him because I wanted to see his his new machines and him and his lovely girlfriend. And yep. I went up there to see him, and I wanted to show him my EverDrive for the Mega Drive because he's getting into uh, Sega now, and he hasn't got any. I don't think he's got any EverDrive. So I, I showed him. I showed off the EverDrive to him. And he's really impressed with it. He's going to get some for his machines. But I, I saw the best speakers ever. There are Alex. They live with Alex. They reside with Alex. The best speakers ever. He's got some speakers on his. They're attached to an amp. I think they're actually attached to his Vectrex. He's got like some add-ons for the Vectrex. He's got a buzz-off kit. And he's also got the stereo mod for it that's been modded. So it produces right. stereo sound on some games. And he's got these really cool speakers he got off of eBay. I can't remember the name of them now, the, the, the make. They're an odd make, but they're clear perspex. They're about a foot tall and about, I don't know, 10 inches wide. But they're sort of like a perspex pyramid, like a tall perspex pyramid. And they've got right. pink and blue, uh, like LED kind of neon effect inside them, and it moves with the sounds. They are the funkiest oh. speakers I've ever seen. I think I spoke about them before when I first saw them. I was like, "I want your speakers. Where did you get them from?" And he was like, "I just got them off eBay. They're really, really cool. They look so retro as well. They look old. I think they must be eighties. I would have thought." I saw some on the market from Dave. I think he's Davey's Budget Audio, and they lit up. And they're only £8.99, so do you think I should get them? It depends how big they are. But these things are really basic. They, they sound really nice as well. I about, think it's because they're made in Egypt by the Pyramid about, people. About as big as that. So quite small, about as no, big as that. No, they're ones. These, these are big, old, yeah. hefty things. They're really nice. But I also played some of his arcade games. He's not got as many as he used to have, but he's got, he got an Astro Blaster, which I played, and that has got possibly the best... Best speech and best sound of any video game, I reckon. It is good, isn't it? For its time, I don't know how they've done that. It's got to be... The weird sampled. thing it does, right, because if you play it in MAME, it's, the sound is sampled, so they've recorded it, and then they play it back when you're playing the game. But mm. when you play on an actual machine, I think there's some kind of... How would you describe it? A physical sound? If you can if you can make a, sound, a physical thing a sound. Because the speaker is a really heavy... I think it's like a 9-inch by 6-inch subwoofer speaker in the top of the cab. So it's above the monitor where your head is when you're looking into the machine. And when it makes, when you get killed in it, you sort of get all singed. You sort of, um, your spaceship gets blown up and it gets all singed and it sort of destroys. But it makes this sort of crackly noise. And I think what it is, I think the speaker must have some sort of weird crackly foam around it that holds it onto the th- onto the wood of the, of the cabinet. And when it sort of vibrates, because it's quite bassy, it makes this crackly noise. And it sounds like someone's crackling something near your ears. It's a really weird, odd sound that you can't really reproduce anywhere else. It's amazing. I love it. I love the things they used to do with sound and video back in the day on those old machines. That's an example of sound. But remember when we went to Eurocade all those years ago in the Netherlands and we were playing that, um, 
Oh, what is it called? The game when you go down the runway, it's like a Space Invaders thing, but you, you're going down a trench, and it had those handlebars oh, you're pulling yeah. out. It's not Space Target, something space like that Space Encounter. One. Space Encounter, From that about 1977. Mm, now, it's a black yeah. and white game, very, very simple graphics, and you've got this sort of trench and these little TIE fighter kind of things. You've got to shoot, you've got to use it, move your crosshair around and shoot them. And when you get killed by it... All these red LEDs, I think they're probably even bulbs, not LEDs, flash around the outside of the bezel, giving this really weird effect. And it kind of reminded me of that, but with sound. It's like a sort of physical effect you wouldn't get from the game normally if it wasn't all plugged in. I really like things like that. The older machines, they, they don't just rely on what's going on in the monitor, but it's like the speakers, lights, and all this other kind of weird effects are going on. You know, when you have like force feedback and things like that. Really enjoy playing that. He's also got, he's procured himself... A Wizard of War cabinet. Oh, very nice. Now, our other friend, Whitney, from the Broken Token podcast, helped him get it over to the UK. He got it in America. And he actually told me quite an interesting story. He, he bid on it on, e- on eBay and won it. And he said to the guy, oh, I've won your, your eBay auction. He said, oh, yeah, great. And he said, um, but I'm in England. And the guy went, what? He was in Texas. <laughs> so Alex had to get it sorted and Whitney helped him uh, no end getting it over here and it's now here and it only took a month to get over which is really good he, he sorted exactly. himself out with uh, another courier and uh, yeah it's a really nice condition thing it's got a little bit of patina on it but it's lovely and Alex is currently waiting for a new loom to arrive for it because the loom had been hacked up inside but apparently it does play okay but it's a really nice game I love that game and that's another, another one that's got these really weird sound effects to it. Yeah, another one with really good sounds. And it's it's got, the speech is pretty good, but I love the bassy sounds. I think we've talked about it before, the music. And yeah, the, yeah, and when you get singed on that as well. Yeah. Because another one that got me with the Astro Blaster is the sort of, the whining sort of siren in the background as you're playing it. It's a really weird space. It's like It's like a sort of sound from the 60s kind of thing. So I really like that in these old games because they were sort of a continuation from the early sixties to the seventies, and you know space sounds always come from that old B movie kind of alien movie kind of thing. If you know what I mean, yeah, really, really good. Got, I've got one in the club, but I don't think it's loud enough. I'm gonna have to turn that B up. Turn yeah, that B up, man. Absolutely. I also played his Robotron, which he's particularly good at. He's had a bit of practice on that old son, and he's he's like five or six hundred thousand points player on it now. And I'm oh, luckily if I can get 100. But I enjoy playing it. It's got really nice joysticks on it as well. Really nice joysticks. Uh, he also replaced the joysticks on his... He's got an Electrocoin MIDI, which he's always got Rescue in it, because it's one of our favourite games, me and Alex. And he replaced the joysticks in that with some um, Rubber Gromit Wickos. And it plays really nicely. Really nicely. Still got his Donkey Kong Jr. Still got his Sheriff. Uh, what else have you got there? What else have you got there? I think that's it in his little lineup, and he's getting some others coming over. I think soon he's going to sell off his a lot of his SNES collection to buy some more arcade games. Good on him! <laughs> I've also at home over the holiday been playing with a thing called a Spectrum Pi Zero. Now, before Christmas time, I was reading a magazine in W H Smiths because that's what you do there. It's a library. You don't buy things; you just read things in W H Smiths because they're far too expensive mm. to buy. And there's a magazine called a Magpie, and it's all to do with um, a Raspberry Pi computers, as, you, as the name might give away. But in this particular one, it was a gaming episode, or edition, sorry, gaming edition. So one of the projects in there, I actually printed, I, I, I downloaded the PDF for free. You can actually download the magazine for free as a PDF. Yeah. And I printed a few pages off. And what it is, is it, it, 
it's a little project showing you how to put a Raspberry Pi Zero into an original ZX Spectrum case with a keyboard. So if you've got a Spectrum that's knackered, or you've just got the keyboard part of it, a rubber one, and in fact, they did it on a rubber one, but the one I've got is a Plus, which has got the plastic keys. Right. I've actually got a broken Spectrum. I've got two of them, but one of them doesn't work. So I was going to use that. I was going to give the the motherboard to someone to just have and fix and keep. I was going to use the keyboard. Because I, I have got original Spectrums, and I'm always banging on about, if you want to play original console games, don't use Pies, don't use these reproductions, get an original one. They're quite cheap. They can be fixed. They can be modded to run on composite, etc., etc., etc. But the one I've got, I've got a Plus 2, which is a 128K one, which is a slightly better version with the better sounds. And I've got a Plus, which is the 48K version. And the SD add-on I've got for it will only load 48K games. Even if it's plugged into the 128K machine, it's only capable of loading 48K games, so you don't get the better sound on it. And I've always wanted one to play 128K games. But the only add-on I know of that you can get is the... I think it's an MMC, or... I can't remember the name of it now. It's a big one, and it sticks out the back quite a way. I never really wanted one of those, and they're quite expensive. And they do a ton of stuff that I don't really need. I just want to play games on it. So I thought to myself, what I'll do, I'll put a Pi Zero into an original case with an original power supply, original speaker. It'd be composite anyway, because my Spectrum's a composite modded. And I'll be able to load the 48K games and the 128K games and load them a lot quicker, because they run really quickly on a Pi, obviously, because they load off an SD card. So I was doing all that, and I got so far in it, and it actually shows you what hardware you need to do. Because you've got to buy these little plugs to plug into the membrane keyboard of the Spectrum. And you've got to wire it into a little little um, perf board, which is easy enough for me to do. It's just a few diodes and some and some little plugs to solder. The plugs are like two quid. And I got that far, and I got an emulator on there called ZX Bear Emulator. And what it is, it doesn't need any Linux to run it on a Raspberry Pi. Right. And I'd never heard of this before. Because what you do is you, there's a bunch of files you download. They're about 400K. They're really small. And you don't even have to image an SD card, which you normally do with, with Raspberry Pi images. You've got to put an imager on there. So what you do is you just copy these files across to it, put it in your Pi, hit the, load it up, and it, it loads up in like five seconds. Literally five mm-hmm. seconds. It's just as soon as your monitor's warmed up, it's on the screen. But I couldn't work out with stupid... Raspberry Pis and Linux and all this sort of stuff, how to get the files I needed to, to run the parts which allow your keyboards to communicate with the Pi via the GPIO pins. And in the Magpie magazine, if you use another emulator, which I actually used in the end, it tells you how to do it. And you've got to type in these certain commands, and I did it over an SSH, which I worked out myself, I had to get running and everything, and it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. I couldn't load right. these dependencies for Python because it's a Python script and all this sort of stuff. And it's just, it's beyond me. It really is. All these these things is like people like Rich Chunks in we know and, and Darren Hatt and they're experts in that kind of thing. And you probably know a lot about it yourself. I've just got, I've, I've no idea. It's so vast how to do these things. You've got to get in contact with GitHub and you've got to download stuff and run stuff and, and compile stuff. And I just, if I can, mm. if it's in a magazine and I can type it in and press a button, it works, I'm fine. But when things go wrong, I'm knackered. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> so what I have done is um, I was looking around for some other emulators who might be a bit easier to use because this thing is perfect. It loads really quickly, and you you actually you put an image in its in its memory, 
and you type in J, which is load, quote, quote, press enter, and it actually loads up. It loads like five times faster, so it gives you the impression it's loading off a tape like it would. And a lot of the games work absolutely nicely on it. But I couldn't work out how to get it to talk to the GPIO pins to work on the original keyboard. And apparently, the guy who made that emulator, who is um, not English-speaking, can do it, but he just hasn't. I was asking people on forums, and I haven't got any replies yet if, if someone's done it. But I actually got hold of a another guy who has a really cool website. His name's Ian William Hill, and he's done a little project called Sinclairian. And what he does, he uses the Fuse emulator, and I think a very cut-down version of Raspbian. And what it does, it loads up together, and it loads automatically into the emulator. So there's no, you don't see any Linux screens or anything like that. It loads quite quickly, not as quickly as the bare emulator, obviously, because it's got to load an OS and all that lot. And he is going to, for me, put in the code needed to run the GPI opens. So I'm just waiting for him to do that. And he's been super, super helpful with me with this. And he's got a load oh, of other projects good. on there. It's really good. So I'll put the website on our on our website so people can have a look and do their own project. But I'm quite looking forward to this because it'll be an actual Spectrum, proper original Spectrum. It's be a bit lighter inside because there's going to be a <coughs> Raspberry Pi Zero in there. And I'll get it running off the original 9 volts. I'll do some circuitry so it, it knocks it down to 5 volts, which is safe for the Pi, and run it like that. And I'll be able to use USB um, controllers on it as well. And... I'll make it work through composite because I'm actually not using a Pi Zero. I'm using a Pi Three A Plus, which already has um, composite output on it. Because I don't ever want to use it on an HDMI screen. Why would anyone want to do that with an old game? Wrong, I say. Wrong. So I've been doing that. I've also been playing some SNES, or in my case, Super Famicom. Ooh. Oh yeah. Well. Thing is, something came in, a Super Famicom came in, my junior that I ordered, right? And I borrowed a Japanese cartridge from Alex and also a UK one because I was thinking it might be uh, multi-region or region unlocked on a Japanese junior because it came out later than the normal SNES. No, it doesn't. So I had one game to play, Mr. Do. That's all I had to play. And playing that with a SNES plaid is not much fun because it's a four-way <laughs> game. But... It's got a really fun two-player version of Mr. Do on there. Same graphics, same sounds and everything. Nothing upgraded. It's just got, it's got a two-player version as well. But I've got no friends to play with. Ooh. Okay, well, I have to do it. No, she doesn't play flipping Mr. Do, does she? Well, she plays Mr. Driller, which it's is Mr. Kind of Driller, a, yeah. It's the Ancestor. The it's the old Ancestor. Oh, did I tell you about an Ancestry.com? You did, earlier. Ancestry.com, kids, get like get on it. It was like 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Your your uh, your history and your brain is not very good, is it? Yeah, no, I knew that, really. I'll just tr- see if I can get some sponsorship. Do you want to know some arcade stuff now I've been up to? Uh, yeah, go on. I have also moved... Remember I bought that lovely Space Invaders Midway table a while back with a weird lever? Yes. The Space Invaders. I, it was in the corner of my arcade, and it just had stuff lumped on it, because that's what happens when you have either pinball machines or cocktail cabinets. They get stuff put on top. Yeah. Well, I couldn't play the thing because it was right in a corner. So what I'll do is I'll put the toolbox in the corner so I don't need it to get to it that often. And I'll shove the cabinet, the cocktail cabinet, next to my centipede. So I can play it one player because it's only usually me playing it anyway. So the, the two-player end is obviously up against the wall. So I shifted it over, turned it on, and now the monitor just plays a white screen. But the game is running in the background. I actually did a little bit of uh, diagnostics on it 
I, pl I unplugged the monitor part of it, plugged the monitor input into a little plug I made up, just a composite plug, into a mini, I think an eight inch M uh, PVM I've got, and it plays the game absolutely fine. The monitor has power, and there is raster on the screen, just no display from the game. Oh, I love raster. Ooh, so do I. So what I've done, uh, I've sent it to Alex and myself's go-to monitor guy, a guy called Mark. He's really, really good. He's really good with old TVs, like really old stuff. Mm. And he do, he lives not that far away from me, so I took the whole game to him so he can just use it all to power it and test it and everything. And I've also, he's going to sort out that particular problem, so it's actually get it working for a start, whatever's wrong with it. Hopefully cap the monitor, because there's a few caps on there, which he said were original. And also sort out the sync problem. Did I tell you, if you cast your mind back, when I got that machine, I got it quite cheap and it works fine. But when you play, when you first turn the machine on, the image isn't quite in the middle of the screen. It's sort of a bit lower or a bit higher, I can't remember. When you dial it in to bring the screen in, it's absolutely fine and plays fine. But as soon as it flips to the second player, which is actually a yoke flip on it, on an old machine, mm. it goes out of sync, immediately goes out of sync. So you've got to twiddle that same knob back where it was. So it's some weird problem that it's just slightly out of out of you know out of whack, and I asked it to fix that as well. But I think what it is it might just need the yoke the yoke moving a little bit to bring it inside. But hopefully he's going to fix all that for me and shotgun and future proof it so it doesn't break down again. At least. So, so if you leave it for player two to die, does and then you go back to player one, is it still out of sync? I think it is. Yeah, I remember it being like that. But it's been a while since I've actually played it. I was really yeah. looking forward to moving it and getting it so I can play it. Because it's got the multi-kit on it, so it's got some good little games on there. And I wanted to play it really badly, and then all of a sudden, can't play it anymore. For no reason at all. Just broke down. And I got a feeling, on that monitor, it's a really old, like, 1978 black and white monitor. There's a really big cap on the chassis. It's not actually on the board with the chassis, it's on the side of it, on the metal sort of casing. And apparently it's got four capacitors inside this one big, tall aluminium cap. It's like an old-fashioned thing. It's got some really weird values on there you can't even buy anymore. So what people mm. do is they, they swap them out with ones close to it and do them all in a certain way where they all work together. And I think Mark knows how to do all that anyway. He's really clever, that sort of thing. It's a bit beyond me, that. And also, I found something interesting about caps, about capacitors. You know yes. when you look at the top of a capacitor, a modern one, it's got like three little lines on it? No. Well, they have. They've got three little lines, like a sort of like a, almost like a sort of scribed line. There's one across, and there's two coming out of it. And what it is, because mm. Mark was telling me about it, because he said, Oh, these are, because I said, Oh, those caps on there look in quite good condition. I think it's been capped recently. And he said, No, it isn't. They're original 40 year old caps. So, how do you know that? And he said, What it is, is in a modern cap, and he showed me, and I remembered it, there's these little score marks in the top. And what they are, they've scored the top of the aluminium casing with a you know a, a tool when they do it when they make it so when the cap blows up and it actually lets go it it's a weak point and it just blows out the top because right. so i've actually done it with one i, I put one in backwards of a little project i made once and it blew up and at the top blew out like a little a little sort of explosion and obviously the, the magic smoke comes out of it and what he was saying is these old-fashioned ones because they're, they're solid on top the weak point is underneath so if an old cap goes it'll hit the roof because it goes off like a right. firework because the bit on the bottom blows up, a tiny right. explosion, and it sends the cap skyward. But nowadays, everything comes up the top of the cap. That's how he knew they were old caps. Interesting. 
Clever. Yeah, I never knew that. But when he said to me, I thought, that's obvious now. It's obvious thought, isn't it? Mm. Make a weak point so it goes that way, not the other way. Because if it went the other way, it probably damaged the chassis it's on as well. Damaged, yeah. Yeah. So oh, they were clever, clever than cavemen, weren't they? They absolutely were. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been trolling Star Wars fans on Twitter, which I particularly like doing. Oh, why are you doing that for? I leave them alone. Yeah, but they get so into it, don't they? They just open themselves up. I'm an old Star Wars fan. I like the... Yeah, 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 right. It's, it's all right. It's okay, the new stuff, I suppose. As you know, right, and as everyone of our age and even younger people know, the three original Star Wars films are good science fiction films. Yes? Mm. They're good. Yeah. They're not world-breaking. They're not amazing. They're very good. As a kid, I really liked them, but I wasn't really into the toys. I wasn't really into the cartoons, the games. Just, just like the films. They're good films. Darth they Vader's an excellent they are, baddie. They are kind of amazing. No, they're not. The, you know, Darth Vader was a good baddie. The Sith were horrible. <laughs> they had excellent spaceships. They had really good droids and everything. But so did a lot of films back in the 70s and 80s. And people just keep banging on and on and on and on about Star Wars. And it's, it's had its time. It's a perfect story of good versus evil, I think, the first three. The perfect trilogy of good versus evil. You know, Everything was well designed, everything. But yeah, yeah, like you say... Good. It's just, it's horses for courses. Yeah, but as we say, right, it's a really good film, yeah? It's a good film. Simple as that. Yeah. It's, it holds up even to these days. You know, the effects are pretty good nowadays still. I don't know why they they, they revamped a lot of the effects and stuff and, and cut bits out, didn't they, with the newer versions. Yeah. And those three sweet. awful films came out in between, mm-hmm. and then there's been a raft of new ones after that, which I don't really know much about. I think the ones J.J. Abrams have directed and stuff. But the thing with, with Star Wars fans is they get really, really, really into it. And half the Star Wars fans <laughs> are banging on about how brilliant the film is, right? And how it's the best film we've ever seen and all this lot. And then the other half of the Star Wars films are going, this film's terrible and blah, blah, blah. And I sort of suggested to them, why don't they just watch the three original films over and over again until they die? <laughs> did you put that on Twitter? I did, yeah. Did you get any more followers? No, not really. In fact, I've got none now. Oh, I just, I just said, just sit in a basement, watch them until you die, or turn into a Sith Lord. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it, being a Sith Lord? Sean, Sean, Sean. Yeah, you wouldn't have to wait Sean. in queues, would you? Get out Sean. of the way, mate. I'm queuing a little stubby with me, big shiny so- What? They don't exist. I'm sorry to break it to you. They don't exist. Sith Lords? Yeah, they're not real. It's just a film. I science fiction, not science fact. I know that. I'm not. I'm not crying or anything. I do know that. And talking about trolling people on on Twitter as well, I also offered to remove HDMI ports off any modern retro console for people for free. See, that's a that's a plug and play necessity. If people just that is is this new Sega thing out yet? Sean, let me just stop you there. Just play them. No, Doesn't just matter. stop. Do not be playing retro games on a flipping HDMI screen. Get yourself a little CRT. It could be an 8-inch one. little 14-inch TV. Cost you five quid off eBay. And play your games on there via composite or SCART. They look so much better. And it's only a little tiny yeah, screen. Do. Don't give me this rubbish. You can't keep a 14-inch screen somewhere in your house. Your house has a space big enough for a 14-inch screen. I'm, I'm sure of it. Unless you live in a cupboard. But is it... 
is the space not in a comfy sort of front room area? Is it up in the attic with the bats? Yeah, but I'd love to play with the bats in a, on, a, on a CRT and a snares. That'd be brilliant. The bats Ooh. would be my friends. They'd bring me things. They'd bring snacks. That'd be brilliant. Snack bats. Snack bats. We just invented snack bats. We just invented snack bats. Yes, I'd love a snack But bat. do you know what I mean? When you were a kid, right, and this is all about nostalgia for me and a lot of other people, you play these games, you, you might buy an original machine off of eBay or whatever, or even if you can't get an original one or you, you, you're not you not au fait about fixing something or whatever, or you don't want to collect all the cartridges, and you're playing off, say, a Raspberry Pi or whatever. You want it to look and sound like you did when you were a kid, surely. Mm. And on an HDMI screen, even with all these fancy scan lines and stuff, it's never really going to be that good, is it? But when you played it as a kid... the the, the the what was it composites the worst one in it or even RF even worse than that RF it, it was what, much worse composites pretty good it, 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 some of it's pretty bad it can be but you got to have a real clean signal haven't you and a really good TV well not Com- really no because because no? you can run composite through SCART as well because SCART is SCART is RGB and composite and sound mm. but I've got a rather nice Trinitron PVM in front of me which is like you know the, the TV production um, monitors they are but good then. you can just get a normal you know half decent quality old tv for like a fiver on ebay or a, you know a charity shop or something and mm. you can have it in your little den that's the idea of playing games in a little den isn't it because when you were mm. a kid you probably played them huddled around a little tv with like you know a couple of controllers in your hand or whatever and you can do that even if you can do it on modern stuff you can still run it off composite and i think that is half where it blends those those scan lines gives you half the joy of it and playing with with these these consoles, I think they need that. And an HDMI, it's and if it's a massive screen as well, it just doesn't seem right to me. Because you you were only you ever played it on a small older. screen. Because your parents wouldn't let you put it on a normal telly, would you? It'll break the TV. No, it won't. Yeah, it will. You're not having it on there. Get upstairs to your black and white telly. All right then. I've got a 14 inch CRT in here. I do. I play sort of a slideshow through it of Mame screenshots or backgrounds or whatever i just i just leave it running it's quite nice to have on in the background yeah but i don't play i have played a few games through it i think so when people say it needs to have hdmi do one it doesn't just needs to have composite and another thing i I found out recently and i never thought it affected me before and i've I've changed my mind on it quite a lot is when these ultra collectors used to go on about oh you don't want a pal console i was like yeah i do i'm in the pal region it's what i grew up with Oh, you don't want a PAL region. They're 50 hertz. They're slower and they've got borders. Yes, they have. And I believe 60 hertz machines, like the American ones and the Japanese NTSC, J, they run faster and they've got a better picture because they've got low borders. And now I've got some Japanese machines. I totally understand that. But yeah. as UK people, we did have that as a kid. So if you were going to recreate your childhood gaming experience... You would get a PAL one. I haven't got anything against PAL ones at all, but a lot of the big collectors will not have PAL. They won't touch PAL with a barge pole. We've got a, a little Sega Mega Drive set up at the club running the original Sonic. Mm-hmm. And I, I kept thinking, God, that music's slow. Why is that music so slow? Yeah. And then you realise it's playing the 50 hertz one. Yeah, is it, there is a difference. But when, you, when you're used to it, you don't really notice. But when, you, when you've seen like YouTube videos of people playing it and you hear the music on you know podcasts and stuff, and you hear it on the original one, you're like, Something wrong with that, and that's what yeah. it is. That's what it is. So yeah, so I've been get, getting these um, these little Japanese consoles lately. I got the the Famicom and the Super Famicom recently, and I've just been having a ball playing them. Really having a ball playing with them. 
really impressed with this, especially with the um, the Super Famicom one. I've been playing some games the other day because I got a, an EverDrive, obviously as well, which I like to get with my consoles. I've been playing some of these games I never really, I never had on on the on the SNES in the UK because I'm not even sure some of the games came out, like R Type Three and Gradius Three and some of these really nice shooters and stuff, Proteus. And they really do look like some of the sort of mid '80s to late '80s shooters on the arcade. They are mm. really nice arcade versions of them. Really nice, and I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to playing a lot more of them as well. Actually, I need to get myself a nice joystick, which I hope you should be getting for the Famicom soon. And I'll try and look out for a SNES one. I'll make my own one, maybe. I remember them. Some of them are really good. The power, quite, the, the the pads, quite lightweight but pretty good. The SNES and the NES pads are okay. Because I've got um, a Ness dog bone, the little rounded ones, which feel quite nicer than the square ones or the rectangular ones. But they're, they're not very good for four-way games. If you're playing like a Ms. Pac-Man or something like that or, a, or a, an old sort of retro arcade game on there, they're not so great. So I need a joystick with a switchable eight and four-way, I think. When I had a SNES and I had Smash TV, I got I got Ooh. an arcade stick and I used, obviously, the stick for movement, but the, this arcade stick had like a proper diamond shape for the controls. Oh, right, yeah. And you could use that for the firing and it, it worked really well with Smash TV, which was a was, good version on the SNES. It is. I was playing that just the other day and also Total Carnage, which is the next one. Total that. Carnage. Yeah, good games, man. Good games. So what what is Sours on our notes? You've put oh, Sours. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm... You've been sucking kids, lemons again. Kids are bored of me talking about IPA all the time, so why not get them bored about me talking about someone else? Oh, okay. What is that? S- sours. What's a sours? It's an... <laughs> it's an ale with, like, a, a bitter taste, a bitter aftertaste. So you, you're going to get, yuck. like... You're going to get, like, a grapefruit sour and a and a lemon sour and that kind of thing. And, Sounds revolting. And they're not, not, not like flowery IPAs. They've got a bit of a... Bit of a kicky thing to him so I'm, I'm, re- I'm looking at sours now i found a couple in thasda and i found a couple on the shelf in our in the fridge in our cake club which i've borrowed for research purposes research purposes only yeah i understand yes that. Yeah, if, yeah. if andy's listening He's research listening, don't worry research andy and i've found also some brew dog ones they're called clockwork tangerine they're nice so you're drinking beer Flavoured yeah. by citrus fruits. That sounds absolutely disgusting to me. It's good, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? Try some of them, kids, but don't forget your IPA at breakfast. Sours is more like a, a lunchtime thing. <laughs> I haven't drank alcohol for over a year now. Oh, God. Well done. It's good. I'm healthy. Well, ish. Mm. I also, uh, over the holidays, I popped a space banana in wife's handbag before we went to Kingston. Yeah, what? That don't sound very... A space banana. Uh, yeah, what's that, Vic? I thought it'd be funny. Wait. We were going out to Kingston the other day to get some stuff in town, my local town, and I thought it'd be funny to wrap a banana in in uh, tin foil and just <laughs> pop it in a handbag. So when she's out <laughs> getting stuff out of a handbag, she just happen upon a space banana. Now, this is kind of an apocryphal tale. As we were going out the door, she was getting the dog ready. So we sort of put him in this little area. He's got like a sort of little area where he can't get out and get, you know, he's sort of encompassed in this little area. Mm. This is like his little den. And she was getting him ready in there and putting the gate across and everything. And I just closed the door. So I just got to do something in it. And she was like, what are you doing? I said, nothing. No, no. And just messing with my kids. I was actually putting the space banana in a handbag. I don't want to see. And she was like, looking at me a bit weird. I said, no, just come on, let's go. So I went into town. 
I was like thinking, she's going to get it out of her bag. And we got into town and we, we were wandering around. I was, we went into Greg's for something and I mentioned the word space banana five times to her. And rather than her saying, what are you on about, you idiot? She was sort of half yeah. on her phone, not listening to what I was saying. I mentioned it five times. I sort of looked at her and she looked, what? I just smiled at her. We, got, we was getting in Greg's and was wandering around later on. and was in somewhere else and was in Costa. And she was going, going into her bag to get something. She didn't notice it. And I kept mentioning this thing to her. And she was like looking at me. And then I said to her, look in your goddamn bag. And she looked and she was, what the hell's this? I said, it's a space banana. She started laughing. I said... I mentioned that to you five times in Greg's and you didn't ask me what the hell I was talking about. And that's what happens with people with telephones. Is they're not listening yeah. to what or not paying attention. I didn't do it for that reason, I did it for the reason she'd just go in there and go, What the hell's that? I'll go, It's a space banana. Wife wife's listening to this I don't know, this guru on Tinterwebs. Uh, somebody anyway, some I think he's called Davy Guru or something. Yeah. And it, what he reckons is the first hour of every day you leave your phone off, you don't you don't look at it, you don't do anything, you don't pick it up, you just leave it, you get up, you relax, yeah. you have your breakfast, you maybe like go for a walk or whatever. But for the first hour, that hour is yours. As soon as you pick the phone up, you've got emails, you've got media at you, you've got everything. Yeah. And, and he reckons it's such a great start to the day. I, f- I might I might start doing that, actually. I have to look at my phone as soon as I get out because it's got the alarm <laughs> on it. Probably not, yeah. Well, it's just got the alarm on it, so I just turn the alarm off. Yeah, when, I when I go that. downstairs and have breakfast and sit in the dark for a little bit before I go to work with dog, I tend not to look at it because I, th- I just do that when, when I've got something going at work and I've got some time at work to do it because when the machines are running at work... I'm just sitting there waiting for stuff to happen. Depends how long the cycles are on, on whatever I'm making at the time. So I can sort of do it then, but I totally agree with that. The phone shouldn't be that important where you're sort of not listening and stuff. Yeah, we have a no a no phones rule when we're out for a meal or if we Absolutely, we've like, yeah. Like today we've been out for a, a walk and I've answered a couple of work things and she says, put it away. So that's it. I've got to put put it away for the yeah. next couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also believe if you're not being paid uh, while you're at home, you shouldn't do any work. Mm. I, I know some people do work from home and they get paid when they're at home doing stuff, but when you're off the clock and you're not being salaried, you shouldn't do any work at all. It should be a thing. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> anyway, space bananas, <clears throat> kids. Pop them in the yeah. wife's handbags. Get them, get them. Arcade News. This is recently we found. Um, Sorry, Charlie 2 has been made by a new up-and-coming arcade developers at Car Guinness and will be released on the 30th of February. So it's quite soon coming out. It's going to be a 0 to 12 players multiplayer game. Uh, the game is so awesome, it's actually impossible to describe it without the use of mind lasers and or Dr. Manhattan. Whoa. That's good, isn't it? A proto-PCB of Peter Packrat 2 has been found by prominent UK collector Jeff Rubberhands. Mm. Game testers report gameplay is a puzzle game where you have to pack dead rats into a box and send them to someone called Peter. There is also, um, this is just, I just found this on the internet today actually, there's a hard-to-find Easter egg with a new Neff upright fridge freezer. You wouldn't have thought that. If you slam your testicles or boobage... In the door, at the correct angle and velocity, it will leave you with an Atari symbol-shaped bruise. 
Uh, well worth trying out if you have one of the new fridge models. I believe the exact model with the Easter egg is the 00YAH exclamation mark. The ooh yeah, mm. ooh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah, I think I've seen them. And lastly, uh, almost lastly, Arcade One Up have released a really cool new arcade game. <laughs> And in uh, slightly more believable news, uh, there's been a thing released called AGAR, A-G-A-R, Arcade Game Analysis Repair. It looks like a troubleshooting help program for PCs and Macs, I think, that may help repair faults on arcade PCBs. And I've put the URL on our web show. Oh, it's by Runic, which is a guy on UKVAC. There has also been a new arcade blogger installation and it's on atari very atari centric this this time so good on tony for putting that one out well and tony I've, I'm, I've almost like fell off the internet I've, I've i've sort of staying well off of facebook it's just i know i keep saying it and i, I, I just i'm just completely fed up of it and i just you're not I, missing I need, much mate you're not missing much at all i need it for messenger and i go yeah, for messenger that's all i really use it for to be honest with you Missing a few, you know, important news from from people, but you'll find out anyway if it's really absolutely. You know, like... I tell you one thing else I use it for. I'm on two groups on there. I'm on the Universal Arcade Collectors group, which does Universal Games, and I'm on the Vectrex Fans Unite forum. Uh, Vectrex Fans Unite page which is really really good for up and coming Vectrex stuff, and I sell a lot of my controllers on there. But that's about that it... and Messenger with all you lot. It's about it. Yeah, I use, I use Messenger for work, but I've got Facebook Lite installed on my phone, so it doesn't preload anything in the background. It doesn't use, like, four gig of space. Oh, yeah, it's terrible just, that on phones, isn't it, and computers? It just doesn't use anything. It just preloads. The, you know, it's slower when you go on it, but oh, I don't I use, use that it. myself. That sounds quite good. It's called Facebook Lite, L-I-T-E, and, and it's just, if you open it up, then it will load your feed. It won't preload stuff, and it won't, you know, sort of put adverts and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't, yeah. Anyway, I, th- I think there is a, a backlash sort of on its way on social media. It's, it's very powerful. And there's loads of good it can do, and it it's reunites people with that lot. But there's a lot of a lot of negatives as well. I have something to say about that in the pick- Go on. in the pickup section. Oh, have you picked up some negative Facebooks? Mm, sort of. Ten pence archives. Tell me what you've been playing from our past musings. Right, I've been playing Gundot Smoke. Why? We hated it, didn't we, at the time? I kind of liked it, because it, it's, it's... I used to like, like it until we played it competitively, and it's oh. rock hard, isn't it? It's almost impossible to beat. It's stupidly hard. Podcast 57, March 2016. Because yep. your, your joystick you give me, you can map auto-fire to more than one button. Oh, you cheating gat! I just thought I'd try and get through it, and mm-hmm. I mapped you so I mapped it to the top three buttons. You know, fire left, fire right, fire. Oh, you middle. can map it to all three, can't you? And then you can then you can map. I think if you press even on the arcade cap, if you press left and right, you fire more of a diagonal slant. Yeah, you, you, know, you fire um, one stream of bullets out the left and right, and if you hold the the middle and the left one, you fire to the left and forwards. So you can do that, and if you fire middle and right, you fire to the centre and the right, but left and right, you fire outwards and nothing in front of you. So you can get mm. stuff at a wide arc, but not in the middle. It's quite a clever way of working the firing, actually. 
quite I do, like I do like it. I do, it, and on the 61, it's different, isn't it? It's just all mapped to one button, which I quite like. Yeah, you can Com- sort of make it a little bit easy for yourself, yeah. But I got to the third level. I like, struggled through to the wow. third level, and there's a big river running through the third level, so it's chopped in half. Yeah. And, and you've got like tiny little bits on each side, bits of land, and then bridges to cross, and you just get swamped. Every guy that goes past you, you think, right, I've dodged him. Then he comes up behind you and starts shooting. It's get shot to death a lot, don't you? I suppose it's early Capcom and it's rock hard, and you could learn it. You could learn when these baddies are going to shoot, like like I do in 1942. But God, so hard. I do like the feel of the game, but wow, man! But if if you do like the feel of that game, you just play Commando. Yeah, Commando's really good, and that's rock hard. But Commando, yeah, it's a little bit easier to get a few a few levels through, and it's not so unfair. Yeah, you keep running forward with Commando. That's 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 the whole thing. You just keep running forward like this push scrolling game, and you, and you sort of get through it. Yeah. But this this is just mega difficult. But mm. that being said, I still do like it. I like it. I like the idea of it. We're actually playing it. I went right off it. It's ten pence effect. It is, yeah. Right for me, the Astro Blaster Alex's on a real cabinet. We covered this back close to that one on podcast fifty five. The sound is so awesome on that thing. The TTL sound. I am an Astro Blaster. Twisted Astro Blaster. Yeah, I, I remembered that. I have bad feelings <laughs> about that. That was a song you did way back then. Go and listen to it again, everyone, to hear this idiot do a very good song. It uh, wasn't me. It was the Ten Pence Orchestra who were in, oh, in yeah, early yeah. time. It was, it was Dave Vocalist, wasn't it? Yeah, Mr. Terence Pence. Terence Pence, that's a guy. But the TTL sound effects on that original machine with the speakers it's it's like they're from another planet absolutely brilliant the singing hiss sound which i talked about earlier i've, I've got a feeling i'd like to actually take alex's machine apart when it's playing and see what the the speakers are actually doing i'm sure they, they must be mounted on some sort of weird crinkly foam or something it vibrates i don't know it's just really weird it's cool i'm Tim still foil. i'm still not fond of the american style buttons on that machine because it's an american sega gremlin cab it uses left and right buttons for controls, and you've got fire on a button and uh, the slowdown function, the hyperspace on a button as well. So you've got four buttons to play the game. And I never really liked that. I always preferred a joystick. If that were my machine, I'd install a small left and right lever in one of the buttonholes and blank the other one off. So you can actually play it how you want to play it, a temporary non-invasive fix. Now, if you go back to the website, uh, on Podcast 55, there was a cool link to TNT Amusements with Todd Tucky, where they showcase an Astro Blaster cabinet they had refurbished for a customer, and you can actually hear the sounds on that video. And uh, a really good insight to the game, you can hear the correct sounds for it on there, which you cannot do in MAME, unfortunately. You've got the samples, and the samples are good, aren't they? They're pretty good. Uh, and also, another thing worth checking out, if you've got a BBC B computer, one of those... Um, we well, probably do it on disc as well, but one of those MMC uh, readers is play Richard Broadhurst's version of it. He did an excellent version with, and if you have got a uh, speech chip, it plays the speech on there. I think it plays speech on on. I think it's got limited speech on a normal, unmodified BBC B. But the one I've got is a real zooped up one that he sorted out for me, and it plays the sounds that he got absolutely spot on, really good. So clever, that guy. He is. He's a good lad. Mm. So I enjoy playing that again. Excellent on a real machine. Such a pleasure. I'm still going to play Gun, gun Dots, mate, you know. Okay. 
I am going to, yeah. But there's so many anyway, levels. Is there like eight or ten levels? I think it's seven, and the, the end guy is like impossible or something. Don't you have to do all the baddies again at the end again? Do I remember that uh, rightly? Or am I thinking well, I of something else? I can't remember. I haven't got that far. Oof, hard work. Recent pickups. Before I ramble on about all my pickups, do you want to do yours first? Yay! It's been Christmas. What did Santa bring you in his big flumpy sack? <laughs> right. Biscuits. Beer. Oh. This is this is like a conveyor belt of loveliness. Deodorant, shoes, cash, crisps, dark sky dark skies invite off waff. We're going up north to look at look at dark skies, look at Milky. I've always wanted to see Milky Way. Oh, okay. I thought it was no. something to do that. I, I thought for a minute she was going to take you into a forest and bludgeon you to death for Beelzebub no, or something. No, I always get away. Always. Yeah. She's not. She doesn't think out the traps very well, mate. No. No. Uh, yeah, this is like a you kind of book a, a shack in the middle of Inverness or something. I don't oh, know where it is. That sounds really good. And then uh, you've got to get it right for the weather, but you can apparently see the Milky Way from the top of Scotland. And I'm not, not bothered about uh, what's she called? Aurora Borealis. That uh, somebody. Northern Lights, yeah. Yeah, I'm not bothered about her. But the Milky Way, I always really wanted to see. So we're going up, going up sometime this year when the weather's right. Do you know what? Thinking about that, we were walking to Dog the other day mm-hmm. on Hounslow Heath, and mm-hmm. for some reason, it was a really clear sky because there's a lot of light pollution around there. Obviously, there's towns nearby, and you get a lot of light. And it was really, really... The sky was really black for a, for a change. There was no cloud around. It must be something to do with the lights not being on or whatever. And you could see parts of... You know, you could see some of the, the, the star... What do they call them? Constellations? Mm-hmm. See some of the stars. And you could see some of the ones like the plough and stuff. And it was really nice to see that. So if you get somewhere where there's no light pollution out in the stick, especially up the north of the UK, well, Scotland... That'd be really cool, I reckon. It'd be really peaceful, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be really nice. And the other thing Sounds I got, good. But- got for both of us really national trust membership because we're always flying off to different places yeah. and, and today we went to what's it called dunham massey in altrincham so it's a big massive stately home which is closed because it's winter mm-hmm. but there's a lovely walk around the grounds and there's deer running around and and children and on the deers which I, don't shoot think, them? I don't think no oh. big buck hunter Big yeah. Butt, big butt, yeah, yeah. Just so I've joined that. You know, obviously they're all it's free parking everywhere, free entrance, and by the the places we go each year, we just sort of potter around. But now, like we think, oh, where can we go? There's National Trust, and we're going to make a day of it. You know, have you got one of them old man stickers in your car? It's fallen off. It's worn off. I need a very old man sticker now. <laughs> We've had one in our car for about a year. We, we, we've mean, been, we've been, na- we've been national trust memberships for ages. Oh, yeah. we, we take take dog around places. It's good for him. Yeah. The thing is, the thing with national trust is you're helping out a national charity for a start. So it helps the upkeep of these um, forests and and stately homes and parks, which I really approve of. And when you go there, you usually get parking free, you get half price stuff, into, you go into tours and all that sort of stuff. So it's really yeah. worthwhile doing. I really approve of the National Trust. Love it. I was looking at English Heritage as well, but there's not that many places near to us that, that oh, are okay. English Heritage. They should join together, I think, them two. I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe. It depends what, what you get out of it. But the National Trust is absolutely brilliant. I totally approve of that. Get yourself a National s- Trust, everyone. 
it's not Scotland either. It needs to be Scotland. But yeah, yeah, oh, brilliant, brilliant. See, yeah. There's like 400 and some places to visit in UK. I bet yeah. Scotland's got their own version because there's this... Oh, 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 talking about that, this has nothing to do with arcade stuff. Have you been watching Secret Scotland on TV? I've watched nothing at all over Christmas whatsoever. Not a Susan thing. Susan Kalman, the tiny wee comedian who's absolutely brilliant, is doing tours around Scotland. They're in a second series at the moment and it's really cool. She's Scottish herself, and she sort of says at the start of the programme, you know, I travel all around Scotland doing my comedy shows and everything, but I never really stop to have a good look round. And what she's doing now is stopping and having a good look round at everything. It's really fascinating. You should watch it. And I, oh. I think it's on Channel 5, and we watch it on Catch Up, whatever their, their app's called, to catch up on Channel 5 stuff. Really good. Really good. Oh. Here are my pickups. Here we go, kids. You ready? Some gaming stuff for a start. I got some Switch stuff because it's my uh, my console of choice for modern stuff. I got Raiden Five, Sean. Mm. They had a big sale on the man. I think I got it for like sixteen quid. I absolutely hate it. Absolutely yeah. hate Raiden Five. It's awful. Raiden Four. I had. I've, I love Raiden One and Two. I got the PCBs of both of those. Raiden three and four I had on that Naomi kit. You could you know could upload no sorry the the Taito X two kit I had. You could yeah. play all the games on on the Taito X. I haven't got any more. Really enjoyed Raiden three and four, and I played those in Japan when I was over there in two thousand ten. But number five is horrible. It's, Why? It, it does this thing right, which I really don't like with games. Is you know it's a scrolling vertical shooter, right? Mm. Mm. The game starts off. There's loads of stupid bits that stuff. You can upgrade your ship, and there's always talking and stuff. You got to whizzle through it, which takes ages. And when you start the game, the background scrolls really quickly underneath you, and it's really disorientating when you're playing the game and stuff shooting at you. And they got this this scrolling whizzing underneath you. You can't see what's going on. It, it sort of interrupts what's going on with the bullets. And for some reason, on the game, you can actually. I worked out how to turn it off. There's people talking to you all the time. Just nonsense. It's like they're making a story out of it. And rather than just letting you yeah. shoot stuff, which it's a shoot 'em up rather than just let you shoot stuff like you would in a riding game, they're constantly yapping at you. It's like there's sort of some telecommunications going on. And they're just talking nonsense. I actually looked at it for a minute and went, what are they banging on about? It doesn't help the game at all. But you can turn that, I think it's called the, um, the intercom volume all the way down to zero or something but the way it scrolls really quickly underneath you when you when you sort of travel into an area it's horrible i really hate playing it when you come to visit me next i'll let you play it on there i've still got it um but i just really don't like it they've tried to make it more than it actually is they should just, just made it yeah. just leave it as a good shoot em up put bigger ships in it you know put some extra weapons in it maybe you know, naturally make it the fifth one in the series, but don't add all this bump to it. I hate it. Really don't like it. Japanese love this, love the story stuff, don't they? Yeah, but it's it's not for me. Do you want to hear me bang on about something else I don't like on Switch? That I got. Yeah, go on. Here we go. Sydney Hunter, the Mayan. Now, Sydney, Sydney Hunter, Hunter is from a company called Collectivision, and they specialise in making retro games, and they actually make retro games for retro consoles. So they brought stuff out on the NES and the Snares and the Master System and the Megadrive. And this game is kind of like a Rick Dangerous kind of game. Or a... Sydney Hunter. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Rick Dangerous, it's inspired by um, Montezuma's Revenge, which was a game on the Atari 8 that I used to play. I love. I love Dark Commodore 64. Exactly. Really good game. So you're a little guy. You're, you're after sort of Incan and Mayan jewels and collector things, and you've got to jump over stuff, and there's fire and skeletons, all, this sort of stuff, all that really cool stuff. And the game starts off absolutely brilliant. It's got lovely 16-bit graphics, great sounds. It's really cool. It's cheeky. As soon as you get to level three, impossible. It's just impossible. You, as soon as you get on the screen, you go in a new screen, and all the, the monsters respawn. And they're, they're always bats, spiders, bees, snakes. Watch out for snakes. All the, hor- all the horrible things in games that always come and get you and flap out and annoy you. And they come for you straight away. You only get three hearts to start. I think you can build up your heart power later on. But each hit is one heart. And if you fall on fire, you die immediately. And oh. there's not that many save points. When you get to a save point, they're quite few and far between, which makes the game much more difficult and it, it's just really annoying. It just gets impossible after, like, a few levels. I paid... I got it on knockdown again, I think 16 quid, which would have, would have been an absolute bargain if the difficulty curve was better. It's not just my opinion. I think I'm correct in this because other people have been moaning about it. All the reviews say it, it, it gets too hard, there's not enough save points, all this sort of stuff. And just the other day, I had an email from Nintendo, and I've never had one before from them about this, and it asked me to do a online survey about that particular game. Right. So I'm thinking other people have moaned about it. If they release a patch for it, and it gives you like five hearts to begin with, or it gives you you know difficulty settings, so you can start off easy, or whatever. Or maybe you know only half the monsters respawn when you go in another room, or whatever. I'd be happy to play it again. And I did play it for a number of hours trying to do this level. And I really stuck at because I really wanted to get into it. And I really want to complete it. And it's, it looks really vast and full of gameplay. And I really like everything about it. But the difficulty has, has killed it for me. And I'm on the point of deleting it off my Switch completely. So I'd never see it again. But I'm hoping they're going to release a patch for it. Because you can do that with the modern stuff. Which just yeah. gives you a bit more of a chance. Mm. I might even send an email to... Because he's a guy who does podcasts as well. That The main guy who runs the company Collectivision, Gamester81. He does stuff with Willie sometimes. I've heard him on a lot of podcasts. I might just send him oh, an email yeah, saying... I used, listen, I used to watch his stuff. He, he did, did really good reviews. I've watched, not watched them for ages, but good reviews of old consoles and then then like retro remakes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, good, yeah. Nice guy. So he employs, obviously, people to do these games. I think he runs the business. And they, they've got some awesome stuff out. I mean, really good-looking games. And this is no exception, but... That third level, I think it's it is it's sort of the level is sort of um, dominated by bees. There's like beehives and honey and stuff everywhere, and it's just far too difficult. If they just littered a few more save points in, it'd be fine. Because yeah. when you when you actually get to the end of the level and kill off the sort of midpoint baddie and get out the level, you can then dip back into the level, grab a few things, dip out again. And you'll save the things you've got because you've already finished the level. But if you dip out before finishing it, you lose everything you found in that level. And I did that once and really annoyed myself because I thought you could dip in and out. And that would make the game more fun as well. So Mm. that one, yeah. Now, here's some good things. Luigi's Mansion 3 on a physical for my wife. I love Luigi's Mansion. Love it. Never really been into him, really. It's a hoovering one, isn't it? I bought my 
youngest son a GameCube when they came out. This is going back away. And we bought him Luigi's Mansion for it. And I played it in the evenings just to test it, make sure it was okay, you know, as you do. (laughs) And I completed it before I gave it to him. (laughs) And I loved it. And I've got Luigi's Mansion 2 on the 2DS, which I haven't really played that much. And I bought this one. I'm getting through it now. And it is absolutely hilarious. Nintendo have got a really good sense of humour and love to use their old IPs. And mm-hmm. when you talk to the little guy who helps you and makes all your sort of little gadgets, when he rings you up, you you strap on um, a virtual boy to your face and everything's in red and you're talking to him like a, a, a telephone. Oh, it's really clever. good. I love it. And I've also got Zelda Link's Awakening, which I haven't even started yet because I'm going to do Luigi's Mansion first before I play that. Just nicer graphics, and it's same thing, is it? Than the the it's, SNES. It's the ne- it's the actual the Game Boy. Thing. Oh, Game Boy, yeah, get them two mixed but they've, up. They've made Links. a really lovely graphical version of it, and I think they've added a few things to it as well. But I'm really, I never played it on the Game Boy, or I might play it very, very briefly. I loved that. Yeah, I put, completed it on the Game Boy. Oh, did I you? Had that the the best three games I reckon are Tetris, obviously, Batman, yep. and that Zelda on the Game Boy. They're the ones I would go back to now. The one I played on the Game Boy, I think might have even been the Advance, I can't remember, was Zelda Four Swords, or the Minish Cap. I played those two quite a yeah, bit, I think but I never completed them. One. But this one I'm really looking forward to, because it looks lovely. And everyone says it's amazing, so I'm really looking forward to that one. But I'm going to try and finish Luigi's Mansion 3. I think I'm about third away through it so far. It's taken a while, it's a big game. Mm. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, I got Super Famicom Junior, which I think we spoke about a minute ago. And I got an EverDrive for it because when I when I first had it, I only had Mister Do to play on it. Now I've got everything I want to play on it. It's brilliant. Yeah, really enjoying that. I also bought a crappy Famiclone from Debenhams uh, to make into a nice metal-based project, and I've broken it already. Oh dear! I decased it and put it inside the aluminium case I made ages ago. But what I think had happened is I think the case shorted something out and it's killed it. It's knackered mm. it. It's knackered the cartridge and the actual machine. So it's killed it somehow. But so it was what's only Debenhams doing? Selling Famiclones? I don't know, but they are. They're completely unlicensed. If Nintendo finds out, they're dead. I expect Nintendo will beat them up behind the bike sheds after school. God. But you can actually get these things for 10 quid now, apparently. Some people I know on Twitter have bought them after me for 10 quid. It cost me 17 quid when I bought one. So I'm not Just too worried it's broke down. There's on a chip thing, I suppose, is it? Yeah, it's a tiny little thing inside. There's nothing to it, and the controllers are awful and blah, blah, blah. But I kept some of the parts and the case. So if anyone actually wants a Famicom kind of looking case for free to put a pie inside or whatever, just get in touch and I'll send it to you. But I might mm. get another one and actually finish this project off. Because I know what was wrong now. I think I know what happened. I have got more credit for the Nintendo eShop. So I've got about 50-odd quid on me thing now, so I'll probably buy some more games before long. I want to try and finish some of these other ones off first. Stripey socks. Mm. I like my strops to be stripey. I like black socks, just black as the pits of hell. Devil socks. Are they black? Yeah, demonic socks with red eyes, probably. Red and black pits of hell, aren't they? I got a million bath bombs. I'm pro- properly lushed up at the moment. I am lushed up. I am like a wow. slag. Uh, books. Ah, this is what got in earlier. You know, we were talking about Facebook earlier. I yes. got a book by someone called Shoshana Zuboff, and it's called The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. And it's all about how Amazon 
Facebook, Google's, Apple are following you and using your data for nefarious reasons. And it's quite a thick. The book is almost like a sort of um, a university kind of textbook and a sort of reference book. So it's not a novel. It's factual. And it's all all about this. So it's quite heavy reading. It's quite a thick book. But I am determined to get through it because I heard her speaking on the Adam Buxton podcast. And I liked to hear what she was saying. And obviously talking about her, some of her books, she's done a few more before as well. And this is the one all about, you know, they're, they're watching you. They're using your data for other reasons. Rather than just selling you stuff, they're using it for other stuff as well. I'm quite interested in it. And I think before long, I'll be blanking my camera off. I'll be getting off Facebook. I'll be, you know, never putting my reading the the terms of agreement and all this lot and not letting them use cookies. And I think it's going to turn me into, you know, someone who's not going to trust these companies. I don't trust them as it is anyway. Mm. So, yeah, I'm quite interested in reading that one. I'm, I'm a little way through it at the moment. Data is a new currency. It's not um, money, it's data. Yep, you learn all about that in this book, mate. Seriously, I've, I've got into somewhere. it so far, and it's quite interesting so far. I got a ticket for a band I like called While She Sleeps, and that's on the 24th oh, she of sleep? January. That'd she certainly does, and it's on a fr- it's on a Friday. No, it's very shouty. Brilliant. Uh. I really like this. I saw them support Architects, another band I really like, and they rocked. Then I really enjoyed them. Then live, I thought they were actually better than Architects, believe it or not. So I'm going to see them on the 24th of January, which is a Friday. I hate going to gigs in the week because when you get home, you're yeah. always knackered and knackered for the next. But it's Friday, so it's going to be brilliant. I also received some Vectrex Asteroids controller overlays from Ollie, Muddy Music, and Arcade Art Shop. And I got some very special ones uh, and some others for other consoles rather than Vectrex as well. The special ones, and this is not the Whitney Super Special, which I've made for him, which I need to send off to him very soon. They aren't the same. They aren't correct, these special ones. and They're not in line, because when you put the buttonholes in them, these are some special Space Duel ones. I'm making for for two people. That's all I'm going to make. Oh, right. And they don't line up properly. So Ollie's going to have to sort of change them around a little bit for me. He's the best man for it, and he's working on it as we speak. I've got a new pillow. Got, for the car? No, no, this is for home. Oh. I've got a Sealy pillow. It cost me 50 quid. God! Well, I got it. it was, normally, it was 85 quid. And in John Lewis, they couldn't find it anywhere. It was like the last one. And I said, you should sell it to me for, for cheap then, because he's going to hang around doing nothing. It'll be unloved. And there was like four staff around me, and I was just amusing them. So in the end, I think yeah. they just sold it to me to get me out of the shop. And it's lovely. <laughs> it's really, really cool. And another one we both got, we got some Jacob's Mallow Biscuits from Alan Hennessy. Yeah. Ooh, I've got a few left. I've been savouring them. They are really nice, these Irish biscuits. And there's, and there's a, the second guy who sent us an actual handwritten letter. Yeah, brilliant. Jump me to read it? Go on. Here we go, kids. That's a real letter on real paper. You don't get many of these now. Happy Christmas, mate. These delicious treats are for you and Jan, who sorted out a gift voucher for my son at Christmas at the Arcade Club. We're back in Berry, February, blah, blah, blah. I just want to say thank you for another great year. Listen and playing along you for every fortnight. Hope you and the family have a great Christmas. It's very nice, isn't it? Thank you, Alan. Lovely. Uh, it's lovely. It's like a loved-up thing. I don't know what the original ones were called, but back in my childhood, we used to get these biscuits. They had quite a soft biscuit base. They had jam in the middle of them with coconut, desiccated coconut on. Then you got these mallow blobs either side of it. They were orange or pink. Remember them? I remember white ones, white sort of coconut things on top. That's what these biscuits no, are, no, but no, they're yeah. encased in chocolate as well. They're really good. 
I do. Yeah, they, they are really nice. I've got some left kids, about three, because I've had to hid them from the family members so I can have them. I've got about eight left. The wife doesn't like Mallow, so I, I've got them all to myself. Yay! That's good. The last one, this is an odd one, Colin the Caterpillar Candy Canes. Right. Have you had these? They're a Christmas mm-hmm. special yeah, thing. I think yeah. they're from Marks and Spencer's. So Colin the Caterpillar is usually like a chewy caterpillar. But they did these ones. They're pink and white, right? They are mint and strawberry flavour. Oh, I know. Yeah, you're making that that. face, right? Don't know. They are so good. They are unbelievably good. The the, the mint works. It's not like a sort of savoury mint, which I hate. It's a sweetie mint and strawberry, and they go really well together, believe it or not. Oh, just send me one over via Messenger and I'll have a taste. Okay, I will. I've got none left, so I have to buy some new ones. Damn it. Okay. Listener feedback. Not that much uh, feedback over the holidays, which is making me think we've not got as many listeners as we think, or there's been a major Christmas event on. Could be. Could well be. I haven't checked the list. We we are terrible at listener stats. Whoa, 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 whoa. We mean we. <laughs> uh, we should have a look how many listeners we've got. I know we had quite a few. You're the stats months, man. Quite a few thousand away ish a while ago, but I don't know. We'll have to have a look. We might we might have no listeners. It might just be me and you. I think so. Go on, do the yeah. first one then. Uh, it's from Mr. Super Sprint. He sprints along and he also sounds like an old arcade game racing round the track. Uh, had a few goes on Horizon. IRM ultimately dropped the ball on this one. An interesting concept of the multi-layered playfield, but its unresponsiveness makes it difficult. I thought it was quite responsive and it was frustrating to play. I didn't like it and I'm, I am recording a score of zero. Can I make a suggestion? Next next show's going to be Lost Tomb by, I, by not IRM, Stern. That's an eight. That's an eight way. Say uh, that, but I'm not going to play it. That's a twin eight way. It's a twin stick shooter. That is, and it's also got an extra button on it. And I won't say. I won't say. I know something about Lost Tomb, Mm. and I installed it on my pony cab the other day. The one with twin sticks on it. Yeah. Because it's groovy, mame, and it's. The, the machine I'm running on is a horizontal monitor. It rotates it to the vertical game. And the graphics are very dark on there. It doesn't seem quite right. But yeah, it's, oh. it's not a bad little one. Not a bad one. Mm. I, was lost, I was lost in a tomb once. Was you? Actually, not a tomb. It was like a Bus big shop. shop. Big shop. And I couldn't get out. But mm. it's just, it felt like a tomb. Did you have a spare button for um, explosives? No. May have, may have uh, helped. Yeah. Andy Pilliner. Hi, Victor and Sean. First off, so many great random words to choose from. I think he's speaking about our competition. But my favourite was Undercrackers. Don't know why, <laughs> it's made me snigger an awful lot. So yes, please, put my name down in the drawer for the machines. And it is, don't worry. Uh, Gallagher is my favourite, but Pac-Man would almost be as good. Fingers crossed that the last luck shines on me. I've been having fun playing the games, but Kamikaze is coming out as my favourite of the two, as it feels slightly less overwhelming. It doesn't seem to take long in Astro Invaders for me to feel a bit out of control, if you know what I mean. Anyway, great games. Just wish I could get around the get the sound working in them. I'm also having fun still catching up with old episodes. I've just reached the shows where Sean replaced Alex, and it's very odd. But Sean sounds a lot less northern in those early episodes. <laughs> I'll monitor the situation, see how long he takes to to reach peak buriness. Did he have to take lessons? I'm enjoying the show immensely. Keep up the good work. This is Andy Pillin, aka Pilbo, on the Arcade Sidekick app. 
Perhaps I have a posh voice on then. I don't care now. You have a pop voice. Hello. 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 This is the Tenth Panther of Arcade Podcast, and we're talking about old retro video games from yesteryear. Did you develop a lisp as well? Well done. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> well done. Yeah, I had a lisp then, yeah. SMF. It's a rare game, Horizon. Hardly anyone has ever heard of it. I only got to know of it because a person hand- who added it to MAME couldn't figure-, figure out the scrolling. I like a challenge. I wonder if he, he sort of just scrolling then. SMF is quite a clever chap. Or lady, whoever it may be. Uh, he's been on UK VAC talking a little bit about um, the Mr. The Mr. FPGA thing, which we will get onto later on, actually. The thing with Horizon, I thought it was quite a good game, but it just didn't seem quite finished, did it? That's what I thought. I'm wondering yeah, if it was ever released, you know. It could have been just a prototype, because we didn't find any artwork or anything, did we? No, nothing at all. But I, I quite liked it. I thought it was a good idea. Mm. Last one, Ed Horse. I actually did enjoy the game. Easy to figure out the different enemies after a while. Was definitely expecting other people to have higher scores. It ran at the correct speed on my groovy main setup, so that, maybe that's the reason they kept at it. I prefer it over Moon Patrol. The three layers provide more action, in my opinion. Thanks again. Wouldn't have played it without the podcast. I'm glad we are getting people to play these odd games now and again. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's one I will come back to. I did enjoy it. I probably enjoyed it more than Moon Patrol, because it's not got that silly inertia. Mm. It's not silly, it's it's incredible. That's the word you're after. It's uh, rubbish. <laughs> Ooh, I'll have to play it on a proper cab again, even though I walk past a proper cab like 28 times a week. I don't play it, so I need to play it again. Mm-hmm. Friendly shout-outs. Right, my shout-outs... I know there's hundreds, but there's just one I'm going to focus on. Everyone over Christmas who have said hello. All the people in the club. I met a few Ten Pencers and other other people from the community in the club. Hello, kids. How you doing? Nice. Know, but, but John Stewart, who <laughs> I was talking to the other week, a guy, he's grown up in New Brighton, so he lived in arcades all his life, all his all his young life, and he's got some great stories. I forget him on. But he said, right, his mother's waters broke while she was playing Astro Blaster. So he was he was almost <laughs> he was almost born in an arcade. Wow. A water broke. Well, we were just on about Astro Blaster, weren't we? His mother's water broke. So that's that's a claim to fame, isn't it? How, I tell so, you what, it'd be really cool. Right, my my parents are obviously a bit older than that. Um, but wouldn't it be cool to be able to talk about ar- arcades with your parents? They'd have mm. stories about you know when Pong came out and fruit machines and all that sort of stuff in the arcade style of life back in then. Oh, it'd be really... They, they actually owned an arcade as well. That'd be cool. Yeah, and there was a... I think he was with his dad and himself and that, and his, there was a bingo hall apparently attached to it, so he was involved with that. And I was on about, yeah, I work quite a few hours, and he says, actually, no, you don't, mate. You want no. The hours I used to work, he said, nah, it's nothing. I said, all right, that put me in my place. If it's your own business, though, you have to, don't you? Yeah, yeah. The shout-out to me, Alex, of course, uh, for having me around his house and all that sort of stuff. And also to Mr. and Mrs. Bobby Idod, which is uh, Gary James Harris and Mr. Idod. <laughs> we, we've had a, we've got a little sort of messenger thing called... We, we talk about you know um, consoles and, and modern consoles and stuff, and I've been talking to them and getting advice off them recently. And as we're doing this podcast, they're sending me pictures of stuff. I haven't looked at them yet, but they're actually doing stuff at the moment. So mm. thanks to you two chaps, being lovely as usual. Right, this is arcade-worthy consoles and computer games, games that we think would be good in the arcade. 
where I think one of my favourite games, still one of my favourite games of all time, Bruce Lee on the Commodore 64. Hold it. Yeah, really good. But because you can make it a very slow-paced game, you can inch through it, which would be no good for an arcade game, introduce a timer, more baddies on the screen, you've just got the big green guy and the ninja, and you can just keep killing them forever on the screen. Yeah, the green Yamo. Is he called Yamo? Yeah, green Yamo. Oh, I thought that was a chocolate bar. No? Sounds delicious. Mm. Faster gameplay, separate kick and punch buttons. I think... It was very clever on the Commodore 64. I think it was the same on the Atari as well as on the others. Yeah. If you if you stood still and pressed a, pressed your one button, you punched. Yep. If you if you move in the joystick, you did a flying kick, which is very clever. But yeah. if you had them on separate buttons for an arcade game, I think it'd be a really good game. Yeah, if they got the animation a little bit better, because the animation was quite clunky on it, but it was good. And yeah. I'm glad you put this on, because just the other day, I was playing it on the Spectrum version on the Pi emulator. And right. I know everyone goes on about, you know, Bruce Lee was a big game in that, but the Spectrum version is rubbish compared to the 60, 64 and the Atari 8-bit. The 64 and the Atari 8-bit are almost exactly the same. But the yeah. Spectrum version, just it just looked terrible. I mean, it was really so, chunky on those two computers, but it was nice and colourful. But on the Spectrum, it's just it just wasn't as good, mate. It just wasn't as good. That There was a homebrew a few years ago, Bruce Lee 2, which was, it used the exact same graphics, the same sound, and it was really good. But it was, because this one was a bit easy, really, you could you could, you could could get to the end baddie. It was like a screen big at the top, and you could just run underneath him and kill him. Well, I but never, the, I never the, finished the game, actually. But the, this Bruce Lee 2 was is really difficult, but it's, it's a decent game. Did you ever play, because a company called Datasoft did that, Mm. Did you ever play a game by Datasoft called Zorro? Yeah, it was. It was. Was it meant to be kind of a sequel? It's along the same lines, weren't it? As Bruce it was Lee? very similar, but you had to you had to collect certain things and take them to certain places to use things. Like I don't know, for instance, you might have to take take a bucket to a well, or mm. you might have to take a horseshoe to a horse or something to do things. And I absolutely loved that on Atari Eight Bit. And I'm going to go back to that and see if I can try and finish it because I loved that game. Really, really I cool. I didn't play it a lot, but what I was trying to do is take a well to a bucket. Yeah, so that's, that's your problem, see? Brick yeah. by brick can take a while. But they, yeah. I, I totally agree. <laughs> if that had like, bigger graphics, bigger sprites, nice colours, and obviously, yeah, it's two, two buttons, maybe even three for a jump button as well. That would oh, be really, course, really yeah, cool. Yeah, it was diagonal, weren't it? Yeah, diagonals are horrible to play with on a joystick. So, yeah, that'd be really cool. I like the idea of that one. I've got two. I've got two for you. First on. one. Is, and I'm going to do it in the proper accent as well. Da da, da da, <laughs> Aunt Ness. Pixel Hunt podcast kids. Those Download craft, it. Those crafty Northerners, the crafty Yorkshiremen, they did da da. Translation: door, door. For D <laughs> on Ness, uh, but if you had it in the arcade, it was quite a slow moving. I quite like it on the Ness. It's a very Japanese game, but it's a little bit slow. So if they sped up your control of your character, especially going up and down the ladders on the game, it'd be a nice arcade puzzle. It's sort of like an action puzzle game. The graphics are a bit Japanese mad already, but you could mm. really go to town with 80-style graphics that are totally bonkers. So you could have a big disembodied foot and a toilet brush chasing you around. Ooh, That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. And imagine the I side. I have like mad graphics on the side, like a... You know, a big burger chasing you or something, or a, a lamp or whatever. 
Mm. Very cool game. And you've got to work out the different screens, you see. I like those kind of puzzlers on those those Nintendo machines. They're awesome. The other one I really like, and this is inspired by playing a Mega Drive homebrew version of it, is Old Mummy. Do you ever play that on the Spectrum or the Commodore 64 or the Amstrad back in the day? Amstrad I did, yeah. It's almost like a maze game. Yeah, You run around and when you, you you run a ring around one of the boxes, like a tomb, it opens up and you've got mummies and, you know, sort of pyramid dwellers chasing you around and stuff. Really enjoy it because it's got the original Amstrad version running on a Mega Drive and there's a zooped up version of a Mega Drive. So it's got really cool music and graphics on it. It's a really nice version of it. Really cool. And that, mm. you can imagine how, how the, the cab will be themed on there as well. Love I didn't it. think of a cab for Bruce Lee, actually. But you could do a lot with the Bruce Lee image, couldn't you, on the side of a oh, cab? Oh, God, side yeah. Of... It'd be awesome, yeah. Yeah. And, and have, like, big green Yamo and Mr. Ninja and all that lot. God, it'd be good. It'd be great. It'd be really good. Arcade Master Quiz. This is the Mastermind Quiz. And because we've been away for so long, I've done a really good quiz. And you can definitely get I've not worked out how many points, but I've done 10 questions with 5, multiple. 5,000 points. You could get probably, I don't know, 25 points if you got them all right. Oh, go I on. I'm, have, I'm easy to get. I'm going to get 30 points, I reckon. I should have worked it out, but I couldn't be asked. Right. Number one. This is a quite a difficult one. Yeah. A 2007 game called Wildcats is either a video slot machine or a one-on-one fighter. Which is it? What year was it? 2007 Wildcats. Slot machine or a fighter? Slot machine. Yes. Didn't how many? Like one I've heard of. How many? Sl- how many reels on the slot machine? Have a guess. Four. Five. Oh, really? That's a big old slot machine. It is, isn't it? Right. Number two. Century's 1983 Hunchback was converted to wor- work on what other hardware? Oh, Galaxian. That's one. A Extra scramble. Volume. Yeah. Wow. They're very and- similar hardware, so they did that a lot. And would you believe this? It came in a conversion kit for what other game? What game could you convert to this? <laughs> you can't believe this. Donkey Kong, I think. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Because you know what? Donkey Kong, I don't know why, but you could also convert it to a really rubbish billiards game or a pool game. I think it's because there's just so many of them. There, there were some so... really bad games you can convert Donkey Kong. And Donkey Kong has always been a popular classic game so why would you yeah. want to make it into a worse game i don't know perhaps there's just so many of them aren't there mm. right number three you've currently got four out of two which is which is defying for me defying the laws of physics pengo this is an easy one was released by which company Ooh, pengo sega gremlin but i don't know if they re- they made it or not released yeah sega yeah, Sega Gremlin. You got it, but who developed it? It wasn't Sega. Is it Rockola? No, Corland. Oh, I'd never heard of them. And yet another bonus point. What was the bootleg, Italian bootleg name for Pengo? Penta. Yes! I'm good, and I? You got six out of three. Oh, yeah. What, what controls do you use? Oh, no. We've already talked about this. Go You're going to get this. What controls do you use for Stern's 1982 game, Lost Tomb? Twin stick with an extra button. Damn! I should have, You've I got should like have. a sort of um, it's a firework. I think it blows holes in the wall so you can get to other areas. 
I don't know. I should have read my show notes, shouldn't I? And is it Stern's first ever conversion kit, true or false? Conversion kit. True. True. Oh, God, mate. You got, you've got eight out of four. Oh. Here we go. Number five. Locomotion from 1982 is what kind of a game? It's a puzzle game. You move pipes oh. around. Damn it. Do you know God, what? Damn. On the VIC-20, there were so many versions of that game around. Home home versions of it. Loads of them. Yeah. Who developed it? Locomotion. Developer. Ooh. It's probably one we're not... I'm going to guess SNK. I don't think it's them, though. No. Konami. Oh, was it really? Who, who manufactured it? Oh, uh, what's the American company called that did a load of games back then? Um, Century. Yes, you got Century. Yeah. There's another. There's another one. There's another very big uh, manufacturer who did Locomotion. Yeah, he published it. Oh, Sega. Yes. Oh my God. Ain't bad. You got eleven out of five. Hard Hat from Exidy, nineteen ninety-two. What type of game is that? It's a platformer. No, it's a maze game. Oh, I'm thinking of Hard Head. Mm. There was a Hard Head. Oh, what? yeah, yeah, okay. So it, it, in the maze, it's from Exidy. What word do you have to spell in the centre of the first maze? Jelly. Exidy. <laughs> the clue was in the question. Doll. Right. You still aren't. You still doing well. Still doing well. Number seven. How many? This is bonkers. This. How many revisions of Gauntlet are there in Mame? How many revisions? 11. 14. Oh, I'm pretty That's close. Crazy, Plus or minus three. They're all sort of linked to the... They're all proper ROMs. And it's 15 if you count the Spanish version. Mm. Right, name the four protagonist types, the types of characters. If you, you get a point for each. Warrior. Elf. Valkyrie. Wizard. Yeah, oh God Easy. It. Can you name them? You know, what's the warrior called? What's the Valkyrie called? Oh, uh, Sharon the Valkyrie, <laughs> Horace the Elf, Bernard the Warrior, Malcolm the Wizard. Oh, it should have been Malcolm the Wizard. No, it's Thor the Warrior. Of course, it's Thor. Thyra the Elf, uh, of her Merlin thighs. the Wizard, and Quest. No, sorry, Thyra the Valkyrie, Merlin the Wizard, Quest or the Elf. Oh, I was going to say Merlin. That's too obvious, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You're slipping a bit. No, you've got 15 out of 7. Right, number 8. This is... This is... Probably could be a guess. How heavy in kilos is Nintendo's dual-screen game, arm wrestling? You've got plus or minus 20 kilos either way. How heavy is it? 200. 130. Oh! That's that's pretty heavy, though. It is, isn't it? It was also a conversion kit for which other two Nintendo games you could convert to, to arm wrestling? Two other games. Yeah, Punch Out and Super Punch Out. Yes! Thought you'd get that. Right, number nine. Oh, this is a good one. What colour bike do you sit on in the deluxe version of Atari's Enduro Racer? Sega's Enduro. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Sega actually did a red and a blue version of Enduro Racer. A sit-down version, sit-down deluxe version. Yeah, they did a red and a blue version of it. The oh no 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 reverse reverse reverse. That's <laughs> hang on, that's hang on. It was white. No. Yellow. 
Wait, what, it was yellow. Green, orange, said, pink. You don't get that. You said too many. But what was the colour of the seat? Blue. So it was a yellow bike. Yeah, you got blue. You got blue. Okay, you're blue. Oh, damn it. I was Because th- I was trying to be clever. There was a really odd, unusual version, a blue version of Hang On. And the red, the red was normal, but there was a blue one as well. Yeah, there's a deluxe one, isn't there? And there's also, is there like a, I think there's like a, called a baby, Hang On Junior with a screen actually in the bike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, last question. You're, you're doing not too well, really. You've got 18 out of nine. Right. Stern Electronics Incorporated bought out a jukebox company in 1979 called what? Seaberg, easy. Yes, damn. Yeah, boy. Right. True or false? Rescue was released as a Stern Seaberg release or just a Stern release? Stern. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh. Was Stern it Stern Seaberg? Yeah. For a bonus point, ask me who wrote it. Who wrote it? Chris Oberth. Yes. For another question, ask me another game he did. Another game. Minefield. For another question, ask me another one he made. No, you're getting too many. Go Tasmania. On. Go on, All brilliant enough games. Now. That guy was amazing. I think that out of 10 has gone a bit wrong. You've got 22, 22 out of 10. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good going. Not well bad. Done, mate. Not bad for an idiot. Uh, who, what? Who? And now, a word from our not sponsor. Christmas gifts for your handyman from Black & Decker. With our Quattro drill, he can drive into anything, almost as if it isn't there at all. Or get him the scroller so he won't have to cut corners. There's a workmate that'll stand by him through thick and thin. Or introduce him to something different, our unique power file. Or why not really surprise him and get him a stripper for Christmas? Tough tools to last this Christmas and many, many more. Can you drive into anything that isn't there at all, Sean? No. Did you get a stripper for Christmas, Victor? Oh, behave. (laughs) Feature Game Review. Featured Game Review, now with interjected random words. Oh, God. I've started something there, haven't I? You have. But first... Yes, we have another awesome introduction from the mysterious Japanese lady. This is very good. Happy New Year, Tempensers. I hope you've all had Merry Christmas. This week, Victor-san is taking us way back in time, back to the 70s. タイトーのスペースインベーダーが旋風を巻き起こした後、他のゲーム会社はそのブームの波に乗ろうとしました。アフターザイトをスペースインベーダーズ発テイクンドワールドバイストーム。エブリビデオゲームカンパニーはデス
Victor-san will explain everything. Thank you. We believe that Konami developed both games and licensed it to both companies. It was Stern's first video game and uses a Z80 CPU. Now, System16.com is what we use quite a lot for this um, the arcade hardware. They report an 8080 version um, by Taito, and I can't find any evidence of this. All the main versions are Z80, apparently. Inclement Northwesterlies. It uses a two-way joystick, left and right, and a fire button. I think some machines use buttons for left and right as well. It's a vertically orientated screen game, one or two players alternating. Earthling, I have come to conquer your planet. You and your people shall be destroyed. Wiped off the face of the cosmic universe forever. I know not where you come from, Astrid Vader, but your evil intentions will not prevail. The Protector is on our side. Besides, a million light years would pass before you could break through our defences. It is you who should be destroyed. <laughs> What's going on with that? Oh, I don't know, but that was the official thing in the cinemas. Wow. Was it, wow, is it Cinemax IMAX thingy? Something face, like was that, it? yeah. Now, the game has Space Invaders sounds, sounds just like this. You're presented with a static screen with a bunch of columned tubes or lanes. The number varies on the games we're playing. A mothership travels in from the right-hand side and starts depositing alien invaders into the launch tubes. They go from left to right and vice versa. The tubes can only hold four aliens, and when they are full and another is dropped in, the lowest one falls or is launched into invasion mode. You can shoot the invaders in their columns and when they are falling, but if they hit the ground where your defence tank is, they explode along the ground to the left and the right. If you are near the blast, you'll be taken out and lose a tank life. This seems like a follow the aliens as they put into the lanes and take them out, but a smaller mothership also defend, descends at times to, set, to mess you up your flow. This seems like a follow the aliens as they are put into the lanes and take them out, but a smaller mothership also descends at times to mess up your flow. If a small mothership manages to land on your level, you also lose a life. When a set number of invaders are destroyed, the level is finished. Everything halts, and a mothership exits from whence it came to get more invaders for the next level. <laughs> Hairy chugnuts. The aliens are 10 points each when static and 20 when they're in invasion mode. The mothership is worth 100 to 400 bonus points. 800 max, but I can't remember. I think it's in the bootleg and kamikaze. It's only worth up to 400 in the stern version. Yeah, I think I think it is in kamikaze from what I've heard. Yeah. Mm. Now, the differences between the two games are, they look very similar. Astro Invader has five columns per side of the screen with the ends blocked off, so invaders can't immediately fall on each pass. Invaders fill up the tubes faster. When an invading alien hits the floor, a small explosion is emitted from each side, which is about two blocks wide. The small mothership can come from either the middle or the two blocked off side columns, so three positions. The big ship that brings the alien holds 200 aliens. Incandescent dog. Kamikaze. It has six columns per side of the screen with open ends. An invader is dropped through each side every pass. 
When an invading alien hits the floor, a, a large explosion is emitted from each side, of it, which is six blocks wide. It's massive, the blast on that. Uh-huh. The small mothership can only come from the middle of the screen, though. The big ship that brings the aliens only holds 100 aliens. Pitiful orange. Tips and secrets on this game. What I try and do is take out the aliens as they're dropped in while blasting the small mothership when it appears. Only get it when it's convenient and try not to let it disrupt your flow. On Kamikaze, you can keep the centre two columns clear and take out the mothership when needed because it only comes from the middle. This makes gameplay a bit more manageable. Blast multiple aliens out when they are getting full up and if you can reduce the amount of falling invaders. Exceptional swerve. There is a pattern to the bonus scores of the small motherships. Counting shots like Space Invaders. At the very start of the game, you want to hit the saucer, the first saucer coming out the middle and on the 15th shot, shot to score 400. After that, you want to hit the saucer every 16th shot to get the 400. Your total count, not just the count between hitting saucers, is used for your score. Example, if you hit a saucer and score 400, then hit the next saucer on 15 shots, you will score only 100. You will then need to hit the next saucer at 17 shots to get the 400 back on. In other words, if you fall behind your shots, you need to catch up. That sometimes is hard to do because you have just enough time to shoot 16 shots between short saucers. Chronic beans. The small mothership on Astro Invader also comes out from each position on a set pattern. The website describing this is on our show notes. I reckon the only way the game increases in difficulty is the, the way the shoots fill up. It doesn't get any faster. The baddies don't come out any faster. No. It's just it's just a slow. It's like a slow increase. You, you just get sort of overwhelmed by the level. It's a clever it's a clever design, I think. The only thing that bugs me about that is when the levels are filled up, and you're trying to blast them away. There's no when you get to the end of the aliens, like a hundred or two hundred. It doesn't clear the tubes and starts again. It just stops goes off screen, comes back on, and the action carries on from where it was. I think it should... What it should do is is stop coming and let you blast off the aliens out the way to clear the tubes and then come back. Because once, yeah, you, once you're all the full up, bit, once you're full up, you just got to keep... you just got to manage the game. It's more of a management game than anything else, I reckon. Yeah, and you do... You can't keep them clear forever. It's even... Well, you, there's different techniques in it. With kamikaze, you can keep a few tubes clean either side of the the main. Yeah, but the blast the, the blast area on kamikaze is massive. You've got to yeah. really watch when they come down; they don't hit you because they're going to hit you. They're almost like I don't know, a third of the screen wide. They're massive. Yeah, and stern the stern one's a bit. I think it's tougher, but it's more. It's better designed, kind of thing, because you've got to you've got to keep up. All of the tunnels kind of cleared, so you can get to the far left and far right. Yeah, of that's the screen. what that's what yeah. knackers your pattern up. Because if you're clearing the middle tunnels all the time and stuff's falling to the left or right, then the alien spaceship comes out, and you've got to try and get over there without these things killing you. And it's quite hard to get. You've got to be really accurate when you get them to get over there and get back again. Mm. So the Astro Invader, the stern version, is the one I'm used to playing because that's the one I played at PRGE on James the Island Pirate and Sarah's Machine. Which I got quite into. Right, right. Now the graphics and sound are very basic. Eight color palette, like spectrum colors. Um, eight by eight block aliens, and not a much bigger mothership. The biggest moving object being the large mothership at the top. It just scrolls in, stops, and then scrolls back out when you do a level. Sounds, we don't know this, are on MAME, are from Space Invaders, so they're samples from original Space Invaders, but. Whether or not I found out or not earlier, whether the sounds are from 
off from space or not, we'll find out later on. They are a bit different. A scary mop. Now, the cabinet art, I couldn't find anything to do with the Japanese version, the Lijak Kamikaze, but there's a few, there's a good some images on um, the Stern version. Now, the Stern machine, the upright, is the same overall shape as a lot of their early games, very similar in shape to Scramble, Berserk, and Turtles. Uh, the table version is also similar to those similar cocktail versions at the time. So the the upright version is is very similar to a scramble machine, the same one at Arcade Club, the yellow one. It's got a really big, quite a big, thick marquee. It's got loads of lovely art around the, the bezel. It's got a nice control panel. The control panel looks rather like a berserk, actually. It's quite similar to a berserk control panel. Mm-hmm. And the table version, it looks very like a midway machine, actually, but I think it's the same as a berserk, same shape as a berserk. Nice tables, actually. Nice cocktail tables. Nice wood panelling effect. Yes. Yes. Well, I'll put this on the show notes, the trivia. This game was also featured in a music video by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Now, this isn't a joke. This is real. Uh, called You Got Lucky. And in the end, Tom Petty knocks a machine over. Tom Petty is a clumsy get. Oh, Tom, mate. Tom, mate. Come on. Come on, love. I bet, I bet he'd put a pint on top of an arcade machine, wouldn't he? Ooh. Oh, no drinks on machines, kids. Can you just put that on the floor? Can you put that on the floor, please? Yeah. Please, just put that on the floor. Don't put it on there. Put it on the floor. I've told you twice. Sean, Sean, security. out of work mode. To, out of work mode. I'm going to have to get your security to escort you off the premises if you put it on there again, mate. Right, sorry, what? Stop going back to work. Oh, sorry. sorry. There is a clone of this game called Cosmo Killer, and that gives you 800 points at the top score for the mothership as well. Kamikaze literally translate as God Wind or Divine Wind. I think it translates to Steering Columns. I don't think it does. When I was a kid, I have vivid memories of this, of playing a game called Kamikaze. And in my mind, it was always a Galaxian clone. Yeah. If, if you Google it, Google Images, I Kamikaze... Yeah, it, it, does, it does come up, doesn't it? With the like pictures a... are on the website. Yeah. There was a Kamikaze 3, which is a bootleg clone of Galaxian with fast shooting. And that's the game I remember. But there's also a Space Invaders bootleg called Kamikaze. Oh, it's a good name, though. Yeah, it is. Right, let's do some scores. Oh, quite a few people play. Oh, God, we've got loads to do. We've got Astro Invader and Kamikaze. Should we do Astro Invader first? Now, due to the power of editing, Sean's just gone to the toilet, everyone. And he left his laptop facing upwards, and I've seen you got you got a mobile hanging from your ceiling in your games room. Is it a yeah. pter, is it a pterodactyl? It's a, a wooden dragon. It looks awesome. It's nice, and I don't know where I got that from. It's pretty nifty. I quite I quite like it. There's it's, an insight into Sean's game room, everyone. It's a wooden dragon. Wooden dragon. I think it was. <sighs> That's a I, got, I, I got it from Grassington in New Yorkshire. I know where I got that from. Nice, nice place. Anyway, back to the scores. Here we go. Here we go. Rob M. Craft got 1,420. That's from Sidekick. Brian Haribo, good to see you at the club the uh, last week, mate. 1,620. As you can tell, not a high-scoring game. Mr. Messi, 2480. Tronads. He's just dialed this in. He's not bothered now. Tronads is, is at the top of the table. 2560. Same with uh, Ears Jimmy. Got the same score. 2560. Jason Barber, 2790. DNO, 2850. 
Exploding Pinball Man, 3290. He's, he's put Thinking blas- Blasphemous Thoughts. I may like this better than Space Invaders. Get out! Sal <laughs> Buglerissi, 3560. Andrew Driver, 3700. Pilbo, 4000. Vigilante, 5470. A lot of these are from Sidekick App, by the way. Sidekick App, 5470. Am I in the middle of that, Sean? Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah, you are. You're 3770. My... Yeah, but under, under Pilbo. Uh, Roger the Dodger, 5530. Ross Ross, 6150. Ian Cullen, 6730. Astro Invader wins the short blast radius of the enemies, but loses for the multiple UFO lanes. Both games could benefit from moving the long pause between waves and let you have some good clean-up time. Could combine tweak to the two to make one good game. Yeah, yeah that's what I said. Yeah, that'd be good. Sol, 7,090. Tagster, 70,000... 7,000, sorry, 110. Come in for a blast on this one. Counting the eight shot for shooting the ship is a key element. A bit rusty. I think 22,000 is the best I ever did. Now, I'm hoping Tagster, he's in Australia, is okay and not near fires. Hope you're safe, mate. Hope you're safe. I know. And it's it's horrible. It's really horrible, yeah. Old Man Steve, 7220. Until I learned up to count to 16, I'm not going to get 400 for a flying saucer. Majok, 7360. That was from Sidekick. Buller, 7360. Kamikaze felt a bit mean with that blast radius, so score is for Astro Invader. Great little fixed screen blaster and very addictive. And you, Sean, 7370 points. On Sidekick, you entered that with? Yeah, I thought it was... Yeah, I, I like, like I said, I, like, I liked Astro Blaster better, but I think Kamikaze is the higher scoring game. Uh, Todd Thompson, 9,000 points, a very underrated game. Now, I must interject here. On James Island Pirate and Sarah's arcade cocktail machine at PRGE, I got nearly 10,000 points, so I beat the high score on it. I do not know how I got that high on that game. We were getting like constant at six, seven, eight thousand. I got 9,000 odd. When I got there, uh, so I'm not sure how I did so badly at home. There's no dips on it either, is there's no settings. No, that's what I thought. I thought their version must have been easier, but it can't have been because there's no there's no settings on it at all. Mm, weird. Mm. Anyway, Neil twenty to five, eleven seven forty. He's put the better of the two games. Getting some good scores, I reckon now. Charlie mm. Farr, oh, very low for Charlie Farr. Makes a difference between this and Kamikaze. Eighteen thousand one hundred and sixty. And he said, stern design principle number one, no game should last longer than two minutes. Nah, apart from Berserk. They, they do make them really hard. Though. When they've converted something, they make it super hard, like like Scramble, when they did they took Scramble. and Yeah, Scramble is much harder on the stern version. There's a few others that they did that were really difficult. But their version of Turtles is the same as the Sega one. Mm. It's not more difficult at all. Mm. Yeah, some of their games are much harder, much harder. And in second place, you have Steve Tyke, who is very good at this kind of fixed screen shooter because he's yeah. an expert at Centipede. 27, 630. He's put <laughs> addictive little pigs are these two games. That's pretty good score. That's a really good score. But at the top of the leaderboard, someone called Croco. 33,920 on this game. I started out thinking Astro Invader was hopeless, but after some practice, I like it better. Frenetic gameplay, longer rounds, and a narrow explosion radius make it more fun. So, I flipping so. good score that for that game. Amazing. Right now we're on to Kamikaze. Kamikaze. She was in Street Fire. I put in at the top of our notes. Kami. 
that a surname was Carzy. Sean. Yep. Carry on. Okay. Luke Horse, nine hundred and seventy. No likey, no lighties. Oh put. dear. Alan Delta Lima, one thousand one hundred and ten from Sidekick. Ooh, Ed Horse, nineteen forty. Trollnad, still low. Uh, Twenty-two one zero. I like these and prefer the Stern version. Roger the Dodger, two six ninety. Mr. Messi, twenty-seven thirty. Brian Haribo, three thousand and thirty. He's put. They're both impossible except for Kamikaze, which he's not. Until he until he learns uh, the top score on this game. Andrew mm. Driver, three thousand one hundred and sixty. DNO, three nine hundred. Ivoga, five thousand two hundred and ten. He is Jimmy. Who is he, Jimmy? Five seven twenty. El Mipo, five thousand nine hundred and fifty. Sal six three ninety. It was hard for me to get any significant time with all the busy holiday activities, but I managed to squeeze in a few games of these two. They were kind of fun, but not really my cup of tea, to be honest. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, guys. Thank you. Rygar, 6,620 on sidekick. Gar, Rygar. Bill Wellham, 7,250. It's like trying to spin plates. Drop one and you're finished. That's right, that. It may be a clever offspring from Space Invaders, uh, but it's it's too bleeding hard. Ross Ross, 7,420. Thought I was playing a Spectrum. If you miss a falling pinky, you're knackered. Yeah, it's got a Spectrum look to it, isn't it? Because of the, the like, primary yeah, colour Yeah, things. very basic 8-bit colours. Jason Barber, 8260. Without the long pause and the mothership trundles across the hate the hate noise on this would be okay. What's the hate noise? At least you can't get arcade hand. Uh, Sol, 8290. Interesting spin on Space Invaders. And oh, enough of defences in each verse since you warrant players at both. The blast radius on kamikaze is a killer though, literally. <laughs> Ian Cullen, 8250. 8520, I think you'll find. Sorry. And Madjock has exactly the same score, 8520. Pilbo again, 9860. Zestora, 11,060. Merry Christmas from Cheeky Dingo Land. Oh, hope you're safe as well, Zestora. I played Kamikaze and found shooting the inner three or four rows effective. Didn't like the break in rhythm when the new spaceship arrived. Neither did anyone. Yeah, because I was. Because my cab's still not fixed, I've been lazy and not got a, a PC to repair it with. I've been playing everything on my laptop, uh, on my mm. desktop, sorry, on my desktop with like your stick and a, a pretty decent LCD. And you, of course, with that you can do like a throttle button, you can press it. So I've, yes. I've just just been throttling the the you know the ship because it's just so boring that bit. And even though I just booed you for playing on a PC, I did exactly the same. I'm a bad mm-hmm. man. F10, ah. let go of it quick. Yeah. Matt Neo MK eleven one seventy. A few more goes, and I'm happy to break ten k. You really need the invaders samples to keep coming back. Old man Steve eleven thousand three hundred and ten. We missed your score, didn't we? Four five eighty. You got. Yeah, I didn't do that well. No. Mm. Retro seventy seven eleven six ten. This is as good as I'm going to get on this one. I think Kamikaze plays better than Astro. Happy New Year, chaps. May all your credits be one cc. Mike Orwell, 13,100. Reminds me of a game called Zygon, I think. We used to kick it in the coin door for credits, the number <laughs> of which was dependent on severity of the kick. Wow. I don't remember a game called Zygon. That must have been a bootleg of it. Tell us about yeah. it, Mike. We want to know. Mm. Neil, 20 to 5, he's put this is the lesser of the two games, but he's still got 14,280. Yep. You, Sean Holly, got 16,580. 
Whoop, whoop. Mr. Croco, he's a good new player. 45,640, that's from the Sidekick app. That is a big old leap, isn't it? Oh, and oh, wife of uh, Idod, or husband, whichever way around. Yeah. GJ Harris, Gary James, 61,506 is a massive score. Not a bad little game. I have a feeling I've played it before, no idea, but when, but I certainly remember it. Took about four hours of playing to obtain this score. No doubt it'd be at the bottom somewhere. I don't think so, mate. No, no. Good score. Graham Tenshear, who's, who's started playing this year, I've, I've met him a few years ago, he's, he's a fantastic flicky player, and he's got 68,730, wow. and, and he sent us quite a long email. Just like to start proceedings by wishing the listeners and especially the two hosts a happy new year. Anyway, onto my short but sweet review of these two shooters. I don't think I've played a more intense shooter than Astro Invader for quite some time, but the same could be said for Kamikaze to a lesser extent. In Astro Invader, I like the way you're forced to the far left and right of the play field to pick off the flying saucers there therefore having to shoot or dodge the aliens at full down from the columns when the columns become full this this makes me makes it a far more enjoyable game than kamikaze with kamikaze i found myself sticking to the middle part of the screen on later levels due to the fact that the spread of the alien explosions is far wider than that of astro invaders plus the fact that the flying saucer only comes down on the middle part of the screen to the untrained eye both games look the same that's what we thought didn't we We were gonna yeah we're just gonna pick one or the other but they play very differently which adds to the enjoyment of both titles i know which game i'll be playing in, in more in the future and and that's not to say kamikaze is a bad game I just found it a bit more repetitive on the later levels. Yeah, you do kind of you get into a rhythm, I think, with it. Mm. And the other one's a bit more frantic and enjoyable, I reckon. Well done, Vic, for picking these two gems. Oh, while I remember, now you're doing old TV commercials. Do you think you could do Fry's Turkish Delight from the early 80s? But only because every time I hear the music from the ad, it makes me takes me right back to Christmas 82 when I got my first computer, a Specky 48K, Memories of Christmas Past. Just for you. Steve Tyke, 117,130. Crazy scores. When you find a groove and keep hitting the 16 and get close to Charlie Farr and bottle it. Ah, 2,000 points short. I'm not sure, but I think these are world world records you know they've got to be haven't they that high up it's madness we'll have to to check but obviously because it's on MAME and it's not regulated you can't submit it Charlie Farr 1,910 or 119,710 it's for level 70 odd so I didn't do so I didn't do too well with the 800 counting I don't think it mattered should we just give him a I don't yeah, I'm done with it. Need, I don't think you need the 800 counted. Just count minus and give us all a chance. Oh, Lord. That, that is insane. Those two top scores. Well, anything over 10,000, I think, is crazy. Wow. Mental Brilliant. scores. Brilliant. Yeah, we'll have to see if... I keep forgetting to work out what the, the world record is, but the Kamikaze one, I think, was only released in Japan. So it might be mm. very difficult finding an actual PCB or a machine to play it on because we couldn't find any machines or any artwork or anything for the Lijak version. So I presume yeah. it was a kit put into cocktail cabinets because a lot of Japanese early games were just put in cocktail cabinets because that's where their game centres were. They were they were based around cocktail machines. 
So it's probably mm-hmm. on a cocktail cab, but goodness knows what the, the board looked like. I presume it looks like that one, like the, the American version of it. I don't know. When you get to that kind of level, you've got to be accurate. But you've also, which is what I struggle with with a lot of games, is keep your concentration. That is, You've got to keep a strict, concentrated state of mind. How long do you reckon get, that game took? To get an hour? Know, yeah, must have done, at least. I, I, feel, I'd get bored of it in that time. Easy, yeah, I'd get bored of it. Got to be that focus. That's that's why I like 1942 because it's a bit forgiving with the lives. You, there's 20 lives available in the game, right? And you, you could say so you can make basically you can make 19 mistakes and still finish the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this one, there's no, there's, yeah. is there, there's no extra lives, is there? Yeah, there's one at 10,000, isn't there? It's five. It. Is it, is it 10,000 on Kamikaze or five? Yeah, almost five, one was 10. I can't remember which one. But it's only one extra, and that's it. No more after that at all. No more. But it's just that level of concentration that you get to that I think is brilliant, which I can't do, but I know Charlie Farr can. I, I don't understand now how bad I am at home at it, but I was I was getting like seven and then up to about nine and a half thousand points on the arcade version of it, on the... The cocktail version, which I'm not sure now if it was buttons or a joystick. I can't remember. I think it was buttons. So, mm. so maybe it's easier could, buttons than a joystick. So I was playing it, a joystick at home. Could be the atmosphere, couldn't it? And, and like you're all, you're like you've got an audience, and you. you so I was playing against Sarah as well. So there's a bit of competitiveness to it as well. Yeah, that helps. I don't know, yeah. but I, got, I just couldn't get anywhere near it this time, and I did get very bored of it very quickly. I, I, I got I, I annoyed like with being overwhelmed so quickly on the games. And that blast radius on Kamikaze, if that was half the size, it'd still be bigger than the Astro Invader version. Hmm. I think it would have been a bit better. But then again, Charlie Farr would have got a million on it then. Mm. That's a crazy <laughs> score he got there. I just can't understand how he got that much on it. It's mad. So, uh, ports and sequels. There's no sequels to it, but there's a few little ports. Uh, Arcade USA, Willie, uh, does a video on the collector version. We talked about them earlier. Homebrew version for the Intellivision. Which looks really nice for television, mm. and the Spectrum got a basic version. Someone wrote it in basic, and I've put a link to the video yeah. <laughs> on our website. Have a look on it. The Emerson oh, Arcadia, which is a really old console, got a version. Yeah. It looks really glitchy on YouTube. I'll put a, a, a link in for that as well. Same as the same time in it as the Atari VCS around that time, I think, or maybe yeah. before. I'm oh, surprised. No, be before. I'm surprised a lot of the early. I think it was 1980, a lot of the early consoles didn't get a version of it because it would be an easy game to write, wouldn't it? It wasn't much complicated to do it at all. Mm. Yeah. You could do it, I bet the Spectrum one's like in step time, isn't it? Like it's just, oh, yeah, it's, it's really bad. It's really yeah. bad. It's in basic, <laughs> for goodness sake. What do you reckon? What do you reckon of the game? I think both games are really good. I've played them a lot over Christmas. Obviously, now we're a week into the new year, so I haven't played them for a bit. But I prefer Astro astro invader really it seems more balanced and challenging as we've said but you've got to be you've got to be charlie far accurate if you shoot you know you can shoot the actual edges of the tunnels can't you where the bullets yeah you can miss you miss you miss a couple of them just two or three and then you're overwhelmed so you've got to be on it you've got to be concentrated but i think it's really good i think they're both really good but i would say astro invaders my favorite i would agree with you and i reckon for this rare occasion it's easy with buttons because you can sort of time, when you press a button to let go, how far it moves. You can get that quite accurate. With a joystick, you've got to sort of move a lever and let go of it. Move a lever and let go of it. With a button, I think it's just easy to press, 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 shoot, press, shoot, press, shoot, 
to get in line, you know, get get kachink 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 every time to get it right. Could so I be, think yeah. it is easy with with buttons. The game for me gets very irritating very quickly. I really liked it, and now I just don't like it anymore because mm. I was getting overwhelmed too quickly, and I just couldn't understand why I was so bad at it all of a sudden when I was quite good at it before. And that annoyed me. It's like, how did I get that score? What's going on? You know, why am I so bad now? Terrible. So, yeah, I got annoyed with it. I don't think I'll play it much anymore. But it's kind of like Space Invaders, but it's much more frantic. Space Invaders is a much more sedate pace. And this is just, it gets Mm. mad. And and the version of Kamikaze, which I sort of remember the name of, and it got confused with it, and I realised it was a, a, a different version of this, that blast on the, the ship is unfair. But people were, were dealing with it and getting massive scores. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. I, I like the way that there's a good feeling in the game where you, in, on the stern version and you're in the middle of the screen, you've got a race at, say, the right-hand side of the screen and the yeah. enemies, are dro- enemies are dropping. So you've got to sh- shoot every one. If you miss one, the explosion's going to kill you. You shoot every one, shoot the bad guy on And then the you've right. got to do it on the way back as well. Yeah, and if you, I've done that a couple of times, and that's a good feeling. You know, being it's really quite accurate. rewarding to be able to do it. Yeah. yeah, and also one thing I noticed on the stern version is if there is a blast on the left or right hand side, and you go to the far reach of the screen, it still misses you. So you have got mm. safe areas on the screen, but then you've got to get back into it and try and get underneath the aliens and shoot them. If you miss them, you've had it; they'll land on you. You've only got one shot on the screen at a time. Remember. Yeah, and I've also yeah. noticed. I just remembered one other difference with the two games is you know this sort of like coloured blocks all round that make up the columns and everything. They're mm. different on different games. They're different. It's a different graphic, slightly different graphic. Is it? I didn't notice. Yeah, that. yeah, the colourful bits. And I do like it on. I think it's the arcade. Um, I'm not sure if it does it on Mame, but the screen when you get killed, I think on Mame it goes red, and the arcade mm. it flashes. Ah, right. It's slightly different as far as I remember because I was watching a video the other day on it. Yeah. So, at the end, Sean, is this game fun or is it painful like sitting on a mug tree? I've never sat on it. Does the tree have mugs on it or is it just the tree? It's just the bits with the little (laughs) knobbly bits to put the mugs on. I think it's fun, Vic. I like it. Ooh. I was actually going to send you a mug tree to try it out. Oh God! Okay, Good we'll call. let that one. We'll let that one fly. Mm. Next show's game. We got two last things to do. The first one is the listener pick, and I don't know who this is, but it was in our list of games to pick from listeners from yonder. And the game we're going to do, we both sort of agreed on this together, is X Multiply. Mm. It is. A game from IREM, 1989. The ROM is X X-M-U-L-T-I-P-L. No Y on the just eight letters. You get three lives. Difficulty, normal. And there's no extra lives as far as I know. But there's definitely no continues. No continues, people. This is along the R-type type of route, but it's it's got a few little twists, twisty, twisty, yeah. technically things to I do. I think... Yeah. From the quick go out of it yesterday, if you like our type, you'll love this. Mm. Yes, it's it's very well. Yeah, I've only had like five minutes, and it looks very polished and nice. So, kids, submit your score 
on Twitter with hashtag 10p score. That's 10p score. On Facebook, as a comment on our podcast post, on Arcade Sidekick app, and you've got to post it in the 10p club section. So you've got to join the club and post on there. I won't see it. Or an email to the site. Email to the site. Or you can send us a postcard. I don't know when we'll get it. The postcard bit might not work, I don't think. Let me just put a disclaimer on that. If you send us a postcard, it'd be very nice, but I think Sean's an idiot. I will read it, because I can read with help. I can read long words, and I can speak long words as well now. The deadline for the score submissions is 21st of January, 5pm, etc, 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 etc. Right. Today, we are looking at the 10 pence high score league table for 2019. We have the winners, the losers, the bruisers, and the choosers. Something like that, anyway. So... After, after we've played 23 games in 2019 because we've had a few, you know, bits where we did three weeks and all sorts of things. Yeah. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. We've played 24 games. Okay. Yeah. So the winner of this is very, very obvious of the 10 pence high score league table 2019 is Charlie Farr with 184 points. Billion points. So we, we now do a first behind Charlie Farr league table. Well done, Charlie Farr. Absolutely brilliant. You're always awesome. We love you. But guess who's coming second? Was it me? No. With 96 points, so it's like almost half. Yeah. Is Mr. Dave. Davey Dave Dave Boy Trollnads. Uh-oh. With 96 points. And as a special prize, he gets a poke in the eye. Yeah, he does from you and from me. I have a 10 pence arcade t-shirt ready printed and I'm going to put it in the boot of my car. So next time he's in, he's at arcade club, which will probably be a couple of weeks. I shall give it to him. If you remember. Yeah. No, I won't remember. Remind me, won't he? But in third place, we have Steve Tyke, who's done really well this year with 90 points. Wow. In fourth place is me, 78. In fifth place is Graham 10 Shearers. He's done really well this year. He's come, you know, the flicky player, 74 points. Wow. I'm going to update all these on the 10 pence high score league table on Tinterweb. So check that out, kids, when the podcast is out. Nice. So thank you for playing. We have one more bit of stuff to do. This is the competition draw for the rather excellent Quarter Arcade, Pac-Man and Gallagher Arcade Machines. One retails at £150, one retails at £130. Now, I have all the names of the people who wanted to play this. All they had to do was write in with some of the random words we used in the review of the game last time we did it. They all Mm -hmm. sent me lots of words in, or just one word. I only wanted one, but people had sent all of them in. And I thought it was quite amusing as well. So, I've got a load of names face down in front of me on little tiny bits of paper. I'm going to pick out two at random. The first one is this one, and it is... Come here, you. It is, and this is for the Pac-Man machine... Yeah. Paul McCaskey. Paul McCaskey, well, well done. Paul, you are now proud owner of a Pac-Man machine. Please PM me your address. And the next one is going to be this one here. And this is for the Gallagher machine. It is Martin Stevenson. And that is Mr. Deadlock. Oh, brilliant. Nice one. And you are now the proud owner of a Gallagher machine, which is down by my feet. Oh, you don't want it down there. You might have to put a, a, a magic tree near it or something. 
Well yes, done, so people. Thank- and I, it's both send me your addresses as soon as possible, and I will get those things in the post to you. Well done. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for listening in 2019, kids. And I forgot to mention that we had 160 players, different players in the scores for 2019, the score table. So we that's, must that's, have that many listeners, surely. Well, perhaps they're going under pseudonyms. Might do. 2018, we had 132 players. 2017, we had 111 players. So it's going up all time. I like so, it. so you are the stat man. So you can work out how many flipping listeners we've actually got. Well, it is. It actually tells you if we if we ever bother to go onto the whatever it's called Blueberry Press website. <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah, it does tell you. And on that very boring note, thank you yes. for listening, and we'll talk to you in about two weeks' time. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, kids. Goodbye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.tenpencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at tenpencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at tenpencearcade, and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups, and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 